You're listening to Twitch Asylum Video Game Radio. Welcome to Twitch Asylum, episode number 13. 13, my unlucky number. Are you superstitious, Chris? A little bit. Maybe a little bit. Because a, a couple things, you know, have happened prior Something to this podcast. Something bad happened right in time for episode 13. Almost as if there was a curse. What right. happened to your Xbox 360, Chris? Well, I was getting ready for the show, and I figured, you know, I'm going to look at some of these demos and things that are going on. And uh, in my 360 dot, I got the old uh, RROD, which is like the Red Rings of Death. I've, what does that look like? It looks like red rings, and they, your machine doesn't work anymore. On the on the box. On the box or on the screen? I, no, just like on the little thing, this, the player select thingamabob on the it power. It turns red? Yeah, it turns red and pulsates. Like oh, wow. It's like you're dead, you know. It's Maybe that's cool. a feature for not getting enough achievements or something. It could be. It's possible, <laughs> but um, yeah, not a feature I'm too into. But so, I'll, I'll, actually, I'm going to talk about that a little bit later. Yeah, okay. my 360 is dead, but they're, you know, they're, we're doing some stuff about it. The other thing that happened yesterday is we're driving to my to uh, Amy, my wife's, her mom's birthday, and uh, the tire blew out. Okay. Right when I was thinking about the show, I was thinking, here's what I want to do on the show, and boom, tire went out. You know, it wasn't just like a flat, like the whole tire exploded. So Everybody's okay though, right? Yeah. Except for the tire. Except for the tire. <laughs> and uh, and Amy's little brother, it's his 13th birthday today, the same day that we're recording the podcast. Wow. So, I, I mean, that can't be coincidence, can it? <laughs> <laughs> it couldn't possibly be coincidence. Yeah, but we have to push forward okay. and ex- excise the demons and move on. So what are we doing tonight, Tom? Well, we're going to combine the discussion in the news and talk about the Nintendo Wii press conference and the Tokyo Game Show. Big show in Tokyo this week, and last week. This time in our retro respect section, um, instead of Or doing, retro respect. Or retro respect. However you want to pronounce it. Uh, we're going to go away from the history of video games just for this one episode. We're going to get back to the history next time. But this time, we're going to talk about our 20 top arcade games of all time. And we, when we say top, we mean our favorite. Our favorite. Not necessarily the most historical significance or something like that, yeah. but the ones that are the right. top 20 for us personally. And the reason we chose that is that way you can't tell us we're wrong. Because they're <laughs> our favorites. I, I think so. you could argue that's still historical. It just very. It's our own personal history. history. Since arcade yeah. games are dead, yeah, that's right. Yeah. So now Dave is back with us again. It's good Dave. to have you again, Dave. Dave. On the show. Dave. Thanks Welcome for having back me back. And I've, I've heard there's a bit of change, a bit of news. I'm I'm less uh, less single than I used to be. <laughs> how, mu- how much less single? One hundred percent less single. So you're oh. married. Yes. All yes. right. All right. Congratulations. Congratulations. So, yeah. You're gonna do even less gaming than before. Well, you know, um, we had to uh, we had a whole bunch of guests in town for the wedding, and my wife to be now wife uh, insisted that I get the main box. My main cabinet were up and All working. All right. She. Wait a minute. Your wife insisted yes. that you get a main cabinet working. I can see right. this is off to a good start. I was. I. I had to say. <laughs> Chose the right person. Good, it's a good choice. Yeah. yeah well, that's great. I mean, if, and you now know, you don't. Now you don't have to put all that effort into dating. <laughs> right. Yeah, More time yes. to play man. <laughs> the effort that you would have put into dating can go into uh, getting better high scores. Exactly. <laughs> I'm on my way. I'm... 
All right. Well, we All have right. a big show tonight, so on to episode... Wait, wait, oh, wait. I got oh, one thing to show you guys before we go on. I got to show you the swag I got in the mail. All right. All right. I'm going to bring this out and uh, pass it around. I got <laughs> in the mail, and this was addressed to Pristine Steam, which is my Xbox 360 handle, not my real name. I got to say the visuals work really well on an audio-only podcast. <laughs> yeah, it's great. I'm going to hold this up to the mic. <laughs> so you can fast it crinkling. Now, what this is, is I got in the mail... <laughs> <laughs> From GamerGraphics.com, I got this skin pack for Saints Row, and it is a bunch of skins of Saints Row, and it appears, it, it, it's really cool looking, actually. Doesn't that plastic the, sound neat? Yeah, but, <laughs> but here, what, what do you guys think? Because this is, look at this. Look at that. That is cool. That That's, really looks great. Boy, doesn't great. that look, uh, look good, audience? And, yeah. And where does that go? Yeah, it looks great. So, these are <laughs> where, skins where you, you can put. put that skin? You can put them on the Xbox 360 or whatever. And look oh. at this. This is autographed. Check this out. This is autographed by the people, uh, I guess, who worked on the game. By developers? Yeah. That's well, great. how did you get that? I didn't get anything. Okay, now, that's the mystery, how'd they, right? how did they get your address? Uh, that's the mystery. Now, see, I wondered why I got this. Because I figured at first, well, maybe they just... I, I did buy the game Saints Row, and I really like it. And I thought, well, maybe they just send this to everybody who bought the game. But then I, I thought about that. It's like, do they, is that really possible that they're going to send it to every single player who bought the game? And how would they know that I bought the game? Did you use a credit card? Um, I think I did, yeah. Did you go through yeah. Xbox Live? <laughs> um, Have you checked or... whether you've got any recent bills? I don't know. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Along with that purchase, you also bought the Saints Row pack <laughs> they gave you. So, if they do send this to everybody who buys Saints Row, then that's really great, and, and that's super cool. If they send it only to me for some reason, like because of this podcast, then I appreciate that too. It's really cool either way. Yeah, I'll pass this around you guys right. to check it out. Um, it's really cool. All right, so uh, Chris, what were you saying about next segment or something? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. What is, what is the next segment, Tom? Um, <laughs> it's our discussion about the Nintendo Wii and the Tokyo Game Show. Exactly. Excellent. On to the discussion. See ya. All right, time for the discussion. We're talking about uh, the Tokyo Game Show and the Nintendo Press Conference. That's right. And the Nintendo Press Conference took place, uh, was it last week? I guess it's last week now, in uh, New York City at the Nintendo Store. And just like at E3, you know, Reggie, he stressed the fact that Nintendo is bringing gaming back to the masses. And he said the Wii will be available November 19th. And available in 25,000 retailers in the Americas. Right, which is a, probably a, quite a few more than are going to see the PS3, I'm guessing. Uh, maybe. Maybe. I have a story about that for in a minute. All right, well, we'll be, we'll be waiting for that. So, and the price will be uh, $249. It'll right. come with a console, cables, uh, sensor bar, one nunchuck controller, and one re- Wii <laughs> Remove. <laughs> Remote. You put remove. <laughs> Start again. It says remove. <laughs> Start over. <laughs> One we remove. I'm not starting over, dude. That's great. <laughs> I can't help that you can't spell. There's some other spelling mistakes. I just too. love the fact that you said it came with the we remove. I love that, dude. That's great. <laughs> <laughs> so, I, I would never remove my Wii. <laughs> All right, 
So it's two forty nine. It comes with the console cable sensor bar, one Wii remote, and uh, one nunchuck controller. It's uh, no Wii removes available apparently. So uh, the other thing that's kind of cool for that two forty nine, it comes with a pack in Wii Sports, which includes Wii Tennis, Wii Golf, Wii Baseball, and they added a couple new games that they announced at this press conference: Wii Bowling and Wii Boxing. So that's pretty cool. That is good. Uh, what's also kind of nice about the uh, is the Wii is that it comes with both a wireless and a wired internet connection, unlike the 360 or the PS3, where right. I guess the lower model PS3 doesn't have the wireless. Yeah, I bought the wireless for the for my 360. How much did that cost you, Tom? I think it was like 50 bucks or so. That's not too bad. But still, coming with it is cool. So yeah. that's good. So the other thing that they announced is that uh, for the first time, you know, Zelda is going to be available as a launch title. That's but great. here's kind of the bad news, if you ask me, is that Zelda for the GameCube is going to be delayed until December 11th, which I think kind of sucks. Well, why is that? I mean... Well, first of all, it's been delayed how many times for the GameCube? So these people who have that's only a month. Oh, only a month. But check this out, though. So people have wanted this for the GameCube for a long time. Well, they kept delaying it and kept delaying it. And right. the main reason they were delaying it was to get in the Wii functionality. Right. So now they're releasing it first for the Wii, and the people who who have the GameCube who haven't got any really games for a long time, the only game they've been waiting for, Zelda, have to wait another month. And to me, why did they do that? Well, to give you another reason to buy the Wii. Of give you, exactly. And to me, like if Microsoft or especially Sony had pulled a stunt like that, it would have been blown up all over the media. I mean, people have been like, "Oh, Sony, they're horrible because they make these people wait and wait and wait." <laughs> but with Nintendo, nobody even seems to care. And I'm not—I mean, I'm not biased in any way. I'm probably gonna get all these consoles, but I'm just saying to me, that's kind of weird. You know, that's kind of a weird thing to do. That, and especially since it didn't really get any hype. You know, the fact that um, people are gonna delay it on. I mean, everybody who has a GameCube is gonna buy a Wii at right. this point, right? So. Right. Just to play that game. But, okay, so if everybody has a GameCube, buys a Wii, and they have the game on the Wii, why are they going to want to also play it on the GameCube? They won't. But I'm saying that's what's kind of weird, is that they could have released it a long time ago, and it's just like the people that have the GameCube kind of got screwed in the end, I think. Maybe. Yeah. yeah. All right. So the additional remote is thirty nine ninety nine. additional nunchucks nineteen ninety nine. And memory card somewhere around twenty bucks. So what does the total come to then? Because really the Wii is kind of all geared toward party type games, right? So Wii's you're gonna want at least two controllers. Two controllers. So right. it yeah. comes to like what three twenty? Yeah. So not exactly super cheap, you know. So I don't know. What but do they think? plan to sell four million consoles by December thirty first. That's right. That's yeah. a lot. Four million in the first month and a half, two months. Yeah. Well, I do. You think they'll hit it? Yeah. I do, too. I so I, I, I think that's probably right on the money. So the other thing that they uh, announced is that um, they talked about these things called Wii Channels. Because we hadn't really heard much about the whole online portion of the Wii, right? Right. So they have different channels. The, the Shop Channel provides the ability to buy older Nintendo and third-party games. They said by the end of the year, there's going to be 30 legacy titles online. And that next year, there'll be 10 titles per month. Uh, and... Uh, Ten the, titles per month. Exactly, yeah. That's a lot. That's good. Well, it's not that hard if they're you if know, they're, they're legacy cor- titles. But yeah. how many titles are there per month for 360? Right, but not a lot of those many, are right? new titles, right? These are ports. Yeah. So I guess that might be the difference. But so they said that on launch, the le- legend can't even pronounce it. The Legend of Zelda for the Legend of what? Legend of Zelda. <laughs> That's right. The Wii Remove. Uh, the Legend of Zelda for the NES, as well as Donkey Kong, are going to be available. Uh, Super Mario World for the SNES, and Super Mario 64 is going to be available at launch. 
So quite a few titles that are really good. And uh, they're saying that games are going to sell for $5 for the NES tile titles, $8 for SNES, and $10 for the N64 Now, games. are these all download only, or is there some other way to get them too? Yeah, they're download, download only. Download only? Yeah. So what do you think of that pricing? Well, it's certainly competitive with uh, the 360 games, where a lot of them are about the same. All I know is they're still undercutting Sony. <laughs> How are they undercutting Sony? I just like to throw that out. <laughs> I don't know. To but, me, $10 for the Nintendo 64 game seems maybe a little bit steep. When you can buy a lot of games, you know, even cheaper than that for current gen consoles, but but maybe not. I'm not going to pay $10 for you know these games. Well, hardcore from. people will pony up the money, and the casual gamer who just wants one or two of them won't have any problem paying $20 for a couple old classic games they love. That's probably true. The other thing that they announced is that the Wii Classic controller will be available to make it feel more like you're playing games back in the day, so it's more like an SNES or Nintendo 64-style controller. What would have been really cool is if you could actually plug in the old controllers from your old Super NES. <clears throat> now, I'd, I heard early on that they said GameCube controllers might be compatible, but I haven't heard anything about that since. That would be really cool. Yeah. But I'm not sure about that. But of course, if you buy this Classic controller, that's going to cost more money on top of the 320 you've already spent, and you know, again... The price is getting up there where it's, it's, you know, it's more than a 360 core, um, and it's almost reaching the lower-end PlayStation. But 360 core doesn't come with two remotes or the save game modules or anything like that. Yeah, but I play most of the 360 games myself. I'm just I know, saying but that you're, that, you're comparing apples to oranges. Yeah, I'm just saying that this system almost mandates having two controllers, where I can have fun with the 360 with one controller. I bet you could have fun with the Nintendo with one. Playing tennis against a computer when there's other people staying. I mean, the whole. If you I don't like it, other people, so. <laughs> right, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, I, that, I, I can attest to that. But the, <laughs> the thing is, I think the, the system is geared more toward multiplayer. And that's kind of the, the. If you look at all the commercials and everything, it's all about, you know, two people playing. In fact, the two eyes in the Wii represent two controllers. So I mean, it's is kind that what it represents. Yeah, if you if you watch the commercial, hmm. yeah, that's what it represents. Okay. So, hmm. so anyway, well, I just thought the name represented a big joke on their fan base. So there's yeah. going to be all the fans <laughs> have to go wee 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 all the time. But there's going <laughs> to there's going to be a photo channel, right? Right. View. Photo channel they announced where you can view photos and videos. Uh, the me channel they're calling it, and what that is it is it allows you to create a caricature of yourself. Hey, did you see this at all? The video of this? No, I didn't see that part. It's pretty cool. You kind of can go through and design, and it, it provides a ton of options, and it's just a caricature, right? So and it's you, not a photo. It's, no, no, no. No, it's like It's a, like your little avatar. Right. And then you can put it on your Wii Wiimote, and then when you go over to your friend's house with your Wii Wiimote, because it's party-based system, <laughs> your little character will appear in the game. That's you really just take cool. your Wii Wiimote with you. Yeah, that's great. Yeah, so that's pretty cool. Um... They talked about the Wii Connect 24 system. It'll have the ability to get news, weather, other kinds of information. The Wii Message Board will provide the ability to send messages to other Wii users, PC users, or cell phones, and leave messages for like family members. And I guess they're adding the Internet Channel, which is pretty cool, that allows you to browse the web using the Opera web browser. But that's of course, cool. you have to pay extra to download the Opera web browser. But Still, that's pretty cool, because yeah. you still can't browse the web from the 360, right? No, not yeah. Without not it, yet. not yet. No, yeah, that might be the only way Opera is going to make any money. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. They have Opera also on the DS. The Nintendo really? DS. Yeah. Oh. So the launch titles for launch day are Call of Duty Three, Elibits, Excite Truck, Madden 07, Metal Slug Anthology. 
Uh, Legend of Zelda Twilight Princess, Need for Speed Carbon, Rayman Raving Rabbids. Red uh, Steel, Splinter Cell Double Agent, Monkey Ball, Banana Blitz, Tony Hawk's Downhill Jam, Trauma Center, Second Opinion, and Wii Sports, which of course comes with the, the system. And they said that Metroid Prime 3 Corruption, which was initially stated as you know going to be a launch title, is going to be delayed until 2007. So of those titles, if you bought a Wii day one, what, what titles would you guys be interested in getting? I'm just curious. Super Monkey Ball. That's always a good time. All right. <laughs> um, Trauma Center Second Opinion sounds good because I like Trauma Center on the DS. Yeah. Um, Tony Hawk's Downhill Jams. I, I always like the skateboarding games. Um, of the other ones, I don't know too much about all of them. But um, I'm curious about Madden 07. Like, how do you play football with the controller? Do you actually make Apparently a you throwing do. You motion? You take your arm and, and you do a throwing motion. Yeah, and throws that's kind of cool. That might be fun. Now, mm. see, actually, Madden 07 was the actual, actually the only one I'd probably be interested in. But the fact that it's going to be all weird, I don't know. I don't know how to do that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I guess when I look at this list, you know, I, I've totally been behind the Wii. Like, I'm going to get a Wii day one and stuff. But, you know, the more I look at what they're doing, I'm like, I'm not sure that I'm going to want many of these games, at least not none of the launch titles. I'm a little worried at this point, just from looking at the third-party support and what we're seeing on it, that it's going to be kind of what we've seen in the past with the Nintendo, where the only titles worth purchasing are Nintendos. So what do you guys think about that? Well, I think it's kind of early still. I mean, just the fact they have this many launch titles on day one is a good sign. But a lot of um, those are ports, right? Yeah, but I mean, a lot of the port, the titles for the 360 were ports at first, too, no, I, and I, still are. I totally agree with that. But I guess so, my thing is the Wii, the fundamental difference between the Wii and the other systems is the controller, right? And right. taking advantage of the controller. And when I look at the DS, and now I love my DS, don't get me wrong, but I would say that the majority of the games that I play on the DS are from Nintendo. And no third party, I mean, I won't say no, but the majority of third party support's not able to take advantage of that controller the stylus controller. you're worried that's going to happen with the Wii. i'm a little worried that's going to happen with the Wii, and especially like looking at the launch titles and what's coming out next i don't see a lot that i'm like i'm gonna have to go out and buy that and it could be i mean this could be totally just my personal preference but i kind of like longer games where i feel like i'm accomplishing something as i go and a lot of these look very like rayman i don't know if you've seen the videos for that game it's very tech demo-y to me like a lot of the early ds games and I really haven't seen a lot of DS games that take advantage of the stylus that aren't from Nintendo. So maybe it's just me, but... What I'm kind of looking forward to it. You're looking I, for- well, you know, it, so- it sounds really neat, revolutionary. Well, no, I, I agree with that, that but- and I like all that as well. I just want there to be games there that I want to play. Yeah, and yeah. so far, the game that I actually want to play is Wii Sports, and it comes with the console. Yeah, it's actually... I'd but then that's good, thing. right? If it comes with the oh, console, no, you great get it. Yeah. comes with the console, want. I'll play that, and I'll play Zelda. I'm not going to play Call of Duty 3. I'm going to play that on the PS3 or 360, assuming I eventually get a PS3. <laughs> assuming your 360 works again. Yeah, someday. Assume, I'm sure it'll work by then. But the rest of them, I just don't see. Like, even Trauma Center, you know, I almost think that's probably better on the DS than it would be with the Wii mode. Because of the stylus? Because of the stylus. Here's yes. one game that I say works well with the stylus. So, you know, I don't know. The rest of them, I don't. I heard Red Steel's bad. Splinter Cell Double Agent, I'll play on another console. So. Need for Speed Carbon, same way. So I don't, I don't see a lot that I really want to play, uh, except for maybe you know, like the ones I've mentioned. So, well, you know. I'll I'll be here in November to see your 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 uh, we on day one. That's right, and see what we'll now decide. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so you guys gonna camp out for the Wii? I'm not gonna camp out now, but I will get one. 
Day one? I don't know if I'll get one day one, but I will get one. All right. So let's move on past the Wii press conference and move to Tokyo and talk about the Tokyo Game Show. Now, the Tokyo Game Show has primarily been a show that uh, the Nintendo really isn't involved with um, because they used to have their own show, and apparently the Tokyo Game Show kind of somewhat replaced it, and Nintendo doesn't show up that much for it. So uh, it's primarily Sony and Microsoft. So why don't we start off with uh, Sony's PS3 keynote and kind of talk a little bit about that. Right, so so in the keynote, Ken Kutaragi expressed, quote, PS3, creating the next generation of computer entertainment. Does anybody else think that's a weird way to phrase it, computer entertainment? Well, what's He's not e- calling what's, it console entertainment or what's gaming? What's SCE? SCE is like all the Sony stuff, right? It's Sony computer entertainment. Even the PlayStation has always been that. Right. I don't know. It just, it just strikes me as weird, that, that, uh, that phrase. Right. So they showed a demo reel with Ridge Racer 7, Virtual Fighter 5, Mobile Suit Gundam, and Final Fantasy 13. So I guess what's interesting is that this is a keynote. It's not necessarily an advertisement. And what was kind of, I thought, pretty interesting about it is that, you know, P- uh, Sony got pretty much dogged for what happened at E3, right? They're showing PowerPoints. It's not very jazzy, blah, 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 <laughs> right. blah. Remember this? Yeah, yeah. So, for the PS3 keynote, they wouldn't allow it to be videotaped. Now, Microsoft did. And I think that that is somewhat a response to the fact that, you know, they're trying to present information to people, and it may not be an advertisement. And all these bloggers in the blogosphere and stuff are ripping on them, you know, saying, you're not providing the information we want. But I would say that this keynote is not really meant to be that. That wasn't really their goal with it. It was kind of to show, here's the directions we're going. Different, you know, it's different than an advertisement for the PS3. And so I just thought there was a lot of confusion about that. Who is their audience then? I think it's probably developers that are developing games, you know, that kind of stuff. But if I was a developer and they started showing me PowerPoint slideshows, it'd still be bored. I'd want to see it demoed (laughs) to see that the hardware is capable. I'm just saying that the intent of it was that it's a keynote. It's not really an advertisement is what I would say. It wasn't intended to be that. They they really just don't. Have I think anything. you're giving them too much credit. I <laughs> they think they just they suck at presentations and they're trying to hide it. Maybe they they I, yeah they pretty much do suck at presentations. And as we go through this, you'll see why they suck at it. But um, but I would just like to stay up front that they said specifically that that wasn't the purpose of this. So right okay. So they talked about convergence of computers and entertainment, the ability to and the increasing network speed and what's going to be available in the future. There was a ton of discussion about GPS systems and the ability to provide personalized data based on that. And and we'll talk about that in a bit because they're doing some things real soon with the PSP related to GPS. Yes, so is the cool. is the new slogan like Sony? We know where you live. Could be. <laughs> GPS, <laughs> GPS everywhere. They talked a lot about Gran Turismo. Uh, the fact that the realistic modeling of the train and the car suspension was made possible only by the new PS3 hardware. <laughs> yeah, of course. Whatever. <laughs> they talked about downloadable 16-bit games for the Mega Drive, the PC Engine, the Mega Drive's Genesis in Japan, PC Engine, the Turbo Graphics. Um, and then this was just totally off the wall. They showed this thing called Africa. Like, I don't know if you guys saw any of that from the Tokyo Game Show, but it's basically, it just shows a lot of African animals. They were rendered in this, like, lifelike detail. You know, you saw, like, cheetahs, wildebeests, zebras, that kind of stuff. But they didn't really explain anything about it. It's like, here's Africa, and that's it. Here's some stuff, yeah. Yeah. Here's some... It looked really scenes. great. So is that just like a new version of their rubber ducky demo, where they yeah. drop all the rubber ducks into the... Could be. Bathtub. I mean, I don't know. They didn't really explain it, and I really... I didn't investigate it <laughs> enough, probably, but I'm sure there might have been more detail, but from everything I read initially, it's like nobody knew what the hell it was. It's not even clear it's a game. No, I don't... I don't know what it is. Well, and then there was Q&A after the press conference, and they talked about now having a high-definition multimedia interface, the HDMI port, 
And they that's also actually announced... part of the lower end PS3. That's right. the point there. So it has always been part of the one for five ninety nine. So now they're saying the lower end one, the one with the twenty gigabyte drive, versus the higher one that has a sixty gigabit drive. The twenty gigabyte drive model is going to come with HDMI. Because if you remember after E three, a lot of people bitch that hey, you're giving us this Blu-ray and you're not going to give us HDMI. This right. is stupid. Yeah. And so, so they, they they responded. You know, which is a good thing, right? They that can... is good. And then they also announced a price cut for the system down to about four twenty nine U S dollars or forty nine thousand nine eighty yen. But and, that's only in Japan. But that's only the price drop is only for Japan. It's only for Japan. So they dropped it four twenty nine for the lower model in Japan. And as I look at it now, like, why would I buy the higher model? Do I need that forty gigs? I mean, the only difference between the high and the low model now is that the high model comes with sixty gigs and has Wi Fi. To me, I would buy the lower end model. I don't need the Wi Fi. You're you, not you, going to use Wi Fi. I, I, I would use it though, so I probably get that for a hundred bucks. So I don't know. The uh, high-end systems, the the only thing you can't upgrade is, uh, from the low to the high that I understand, is the high-end has the HDMI output. We which, just went over that. Yeah. The lower end has HDMI now. Does it? Really? <laughs> <laughs> I was listening closely, and I did not hear you say that. <laughs> That's what we just said. Dude, man. Okay. Ah, other... high definition multimedia interface. We might need to. Cut. I'm supposed to. I'm supposed to interpret that means HDMI. Yes. Just the initials match. <laughs> All right. Yeah. Yep. And then Tom said HDMI. But besides, that's fine. All right. <laughs> okay. Other details about the PS3. It'll right. have an internal power supply, which is awesome, dude, compared to the 360 and that yes. mammoth brick of a heat. You know thing. what? I used to think that, but I've set it up in a different way in my new room that I've been remodeling. And it's actually kind of nice to put the big giant power supply back behind the entertainment center instead no, I, of inside. I, are you it. putting it behind the couch as a heater, or what are you doing? Yeah, <laughs> I mean, the, the, the fact that you even have to think about where to put it means I, I give props to Sony. Still, no, I'm that saying don't I don't mind. It. I don't yeah. mind it because I can put that thing behind the entertainment center, put the console inside, run a, a wire through there. It's fine. It's no big deal. <laughs> I yeah. to me, it's a big deal. And I I'm also use it, it to cook things on. <laughs> <laughs> that might have been why my 360 went in fact that's right okay you had the overheating problem so they also talked about the interface for the ps3 it's gonna be very similar to the psp one with the horizontal and vertical sliding interface which is pretty cool i like that and they also announced this kind of a surprise ninja gaiden sigma is going to be ps3 they didn't didn't announce whether it's actually going to show up on the 360 and uh, ninja gaiden has been pretty much a xbox exclusive right yeah so there were a ton of playable games at TGS from Sony. Uh, they had Lair from Factor 5, and uh, it was really cool looking. It's this, like, they're trying to reinvent this the fantasy genre they talked about. And the demo that they showed was had you flying on a dragon uh, with the motion controller. And uh, <clears throat> they were basically, the guy was flying it with one hand, and he was fighting other dragons. That's cool. And they were basically comparing it to Joust. Which is kind of funny. <laughs> a really cool looking version. Super next gen Joust. Yeah, but it sported like really awesome visuals and it looks really, really cool. Uh, then there was Gran Turismo and I watched a couple of the videos of this today um, on YouTube and it looks really good. I mean, it looks it looks very polished, very cool. Um, 1080p, 60 frames per second. Um, somebody mentioned it didn't feel the same without the rumble in the controller. I can and, totally believe that. Oh, I could believe that too. I think not having mm-hmm. the rumble in the controller was a huge mistake, especially for games where you need some kind of force feedback like driving. Let's hope that they have some kind of cool uh, wheel third controller. Party. Third party, yeah. yeah. Now, is that a patent correct. dispute? Or what, yes. Why is, yeah. 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 Okay. 
Now, correct me if I'm wrong, but isn't Gran Turismo the game that they're going to sell the extra cars, like, f- for money? Have you heard that? I don't know. I, I, mean, yeah, I heard something about that, and, uh, I mean... The Which whole- we've discussed before, the right. additional content for money. Yeah. So, the, you know, there's pros and cons to that, but it's just an interesting side effect that this is one of the first games they're really going Well, for. there's a ton of Microsoft games that are kind of moving that direction, too. If well, you that- look at Chrome Hounds, you have to pay for upgrades to your mechs. Really? Yeah. <laughs> Certain weapons you have to buy. Wow. Yeah, that, so. that, that kind of sucks as a gamer, but it's kind of cool as a concept. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's really cool for the people selling this stuff. Yeah. <laughs> so then there's a game called Resistance Fall of Man. Now, I've seen all the videos on Resistance, and, you know, up until recently, I've been, like I say, one thing that, just to stand on our soapbox for a second, I think our show is a bit different than other podcasts in that we're completely impartial. I'm not like, I have a Sony console, I have a Nintendo console, and I have a Microsoft console. I don't like fly a particular flag you listen to a lot of podcasts they burn on like you know microsoft sucks or sony sucks or nintendo's the bomb and, right. and i think we're somewhat objective and i would say we hate them all equally that's right <laughs> so all along i've been saying you know nintendo looks great the ps3 man i just can't believe this but i think a lot of the stuff that they're doing now like adding hdmi and a lot of the games on the show floor looked good and i really yeah. am starting to think you know i kind of want a ps3 and one of the games that makes me want it is Res- resistance fall of man and it's done by Insomniac, the guys who did Ratchet and Clank. Which was a really fun series. So I guess Ted Price, the guy who uh, you know is pretty much known for Insomniac, right? He gave a demo at uh, the Tokyo Game Show, and the game looked awesome. And interestingly, the story is during World War II in Europe. And That's you original. might say, yet another World War II game. <laughs> but there's aliens. There's an alien invasion. Right. And during the game, and this is kind of at E3, a lot of people said, oh, it's just another World War II shooter. But uh, they showed kind of later in the game as the European kind of the, the skyline and the architecture and stuff kind of transforms into this like alien environment, which is really cool. And uh, Ratchet and Clank is kind of known for having different types of weapons. Yeah, the creative of different weapons. And you can see that in this game as well with all these alien weapons that they've introduced. And uh, probably the biggest feature, I think, is the fact that it supports 40-player online multiplayer. Now, that's impressive. I'll be curious to see whether they can actually pull that off. But... From everything I've heard, you know, people running tests with it and stuff, it's running flawlessly. But to me... Of course it's going to run flawlessly because they probably all have these really nice internet connections. Well, or it's on a LAN. Well, no, they were distributed uh, throughout okay. the world, apparently, okay. Okay. when they were testing it. But, again, they still probably have these really fast yeah. connections. So the second that Tom gets on with his laggy connection, are we all going to be, you know... That's not true. I don't uh, have a laggy connection. <laughs> sure, Tom, whatever. I was but, having some wireless router issues with okay, my Okay, maybe Mac, that's why I couldn't see but, you on my screen. But that didn't affect the 360 or anything else. All Just right. the Mac. So uh, if anybody wants to hear my weird wireless configuration stories i'll put something on the boards all right good times (laughs) all right so the uh the next game they they showed was a devil may cry 4 which obviously that's a huge title right yeah and they said uh from everything i read it says it's a lot like devil may cry 3 but the graphics are a bit nicer so i heard that it wasn't that much different from devil may cry 3 but and to be honest i never really got into this series although it's you know a lot of people love it uh virtual fighter 5 though is a series i really like now, the animation is supposed to be just as fluid as it is in the arcade game, and it's supposed to look stunning. It was running at 720p, not 1080p, but still uh, pretty nice. And I've heard interviews with Sega, and they said that the PS3 hardware is very close to their arcade hardware, so it's very easy for them to port their arcade titles to the PS3, which is pretty nice, right? Interesting. Now, before you move on, I have to call you on this. Uh, are any games actually going to support 1080p? 
I'm not, I wasn't even sure there were TVs out there that Grand could support Trismo. that. We just talked about Gran Turismo, which does is support it, 1080p. Gonna... Actually, there were s- several games that and, weren't 1080p. And there. yeah, there are okay. TVs that supported uh, a lot of the new Sony TVs, yeah. some of the new Samsung TVs. Okay, because I'd heard it. they... Yeah, okay. All right. They had talked about the fact that... This was kind of weird. They were saying recently, like Sony was, that 1080p is not even that important. That's probably what you read. Um, but it's but, really important now. For but the yeah, yeah, apparently it is. Yeah, but a lot of the games there at TGS were 1080p. Yeah. So. Now, well, the thing about 1080p is right now broadcast HDTV is not 1080p. Right, right, and won't be for a long time. But, right, but games are. But games and is a different story. Yeah. HD DVD and Blu-ray, Blu-ray will both be. Yeah, exactly. 1080p. 1080p. So, uh, yeah. So uh, the other another game they showed, MotorStorm. As oh, a, I love the demo of this or yeah. the, the the video of this. Well, of course I like it because I have done a lot of off-road motorcycle riding in real life. But when I saw this, now, I don't know how this game actually plays, but the look of it, it really got me interested because it looks much more real than any of the attempts to do off-road racing in the past. I mean, when I saw the vehicles, the way they looked, the way the dirt was flying up, the way that they appeared to handle. Again, I don't know how they really handle. You know, it's different when you have the controller in your hand and you're going, "Oh, this this doesn't yeah, seem right." Exactly. But from the look of it, man, that looked near perfect. It right. really looked exciting. I so, thought MotorStorm looked good, and then Ridge Racer Seven to me, Ridge Racer, Ridge Racer was Ridge the surprise kind of of the show because you see the videos on this. Yeah, man, this looks awesome. Really looked the, very good when he was going through the tunnel. Did you see that part? Oh man, yeah. it was insane. And it's 1080p at 60 frames per second, Woody. <laughs> very nice. Yeah. Again, I'll believe it all when I see it. Virtual Tennis Three also, also 1080p, 60 frames per second. <laughs> well, of course they're gonna claim that. <laughs> it actually had a sign on all the displays that said 1080p, 60 frames per second. And, uh, you know, maybe not such a new gameplay, but. I have one of those signs above good. my TV. All right. So, NBA, <laughs> NBA Live 07, uh, 1080p, 1080p at 60 frames per second, Woody. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, here's. those. That's good news, right? They had a lot of cool games on the to- at the Tokyo Game Show on the right. floor that you can play. 1080p, they looked amazing. But the launch lineup, at least what's currently locked. For Japan, a little underwhelming. There's only six titles that are currently locked. Don't and one of them is Mahjong. Yeah. <laughs> Genji, Mahjong, Mobile Gundam, Sega Golf, Resistance, and Ridge Racer 7. So not exactly what you would call, you know... Although I can't wait to play Mahjong in 1080p at 60 frames per second. <laughs> that one they definitely have at 1080p 60 frames per second. That's what's going to get me to buy a 1080p HGTV. Yeah. Now, for the U.S., there's going to be three to four more EA games, which we can only guess that's going to be, you know, you know, Madden. Uh, EA Curling, <laughs> EA Shuffleboard. No, no. Activision's <laughs> going to have three games. One of those will probably be Call of Duty 3, right? And yeah. Ubisoft said they're going to have Blazing Angels, which... Uh, Blazing Angels wasn't a very good game. No. And two of the <laughs> launch titles that were said to be coming out, Lair and Warhawk, have been delayed until 2007. Now, see, this is disappointing because, personally, Warhawk has been the most interesting-looking one for me. Well, the good news is, Woody, you won't be able to get a hold of a PS3 until 2007. <laughs> so it'll coincide perfectly. So by it, then, will. Okay. it will. I, I, yeah, not, I won't be able to buy it. I won't be able to afford it. <laughs> I have two comments about the PS3 in general versus the Wii. First of all, I think there's been sort of a theme to what we've been saying in these games, which is much better graphics, 1080p, but yet the same kind of a game. Well, I don't think that's true for well, Lair. But but a lot of them are. And when I look at the 
When I looked at those demos of the PS3, the main thing that struck me was, wow, some of those games look like they have amazingly good graphics. Right. On the other hand, by contrast, when I looked at the demos of the Wii, I didn't say, wow, the graphics floored me. What I, what I said to myself was, wow, like the way that they're playing them with swinging the controller to right. play tennis and all of that, that's a type of experience that's brand new. Right, I agree with that. Although, so, uh, although I've heard the gameplay of Mahjong is going to be revolutionary. <laughs> <laughs> but so, no, you see what I'm getting at, no, right? No, I, I think that that's completely true. I think true. the way yeah. that they're squaring off, Nintendo and Sony, is Nintendo's offering you, here's a whole new experience you haven't had before. Let's really swing the sword with the controller. Let's swing the right. racket with the controller. Right. Let's, let's toss the football by moving the controller. It's a, it's a different type of experience. What Sony appears to be offering at this point is it's the kind of game you played before, but it's really going to be great graphics and maybe with you know multiplayer support for more players. It, it's more of a technological incremental advance versus a whole new right. kind of thing. But you, I would say that Warhawk and Lair both use a motion controller as well. Right. Well, the, the other thing is Nintendo, and I give them complete credit for this, but they are really taking a gamble on trying something completely different. Right. And oh, it yeah. may just not work for a lot of the gaming crowd, yeah. whereas the PS3 is going for the traditional I would, strength. I would say, here's the one thing I would say, and I'm going to get to this more when we talk about what we're playing, but since my 360 died, I've been playing a lot of PS2 <laughs> games. And here's what I can say, is there's a lot of really good Sony-exclusive studios making games. Yeah. And so that tells me there's going to be a lot of really good games mm-hmm. that I'll want to play on the PS3. Now, I'm not saying I don't want to play it on the N- Nintendo Wii, but I'm saying the quantity of games and the style of games I enjoy, I think there's going to be a lot on the PS3 I'm going to enjoy to play. You know, I'm going to like yeah. to play. Yeah. I mean, the Wii might be revolutionary, has some very interesting things, I'll probably get it, but you know the PS3 is going to have a solid lineup right. eventually. And so the other thing I would say, you know, is I think the PS3 lineup, yeah, it, it's going to be solid. And Nintendo is going to have a solid lineup as well. But I really, I kind of wonder how many titles on the on the Wii I'm really going to want to play. That's kind of my concern now, you know. Is there going to be the variety? But you're talking about at launch, right? Well, actually more the life cycle because look at the GameCube. There's very few, I mean, I have a GameCube now. There's very few games I want to play on the GameCube other than the Nintendo games. And that's what I'm kind of worried about. But again, it. that's nothing new. That's classic Nintendo. They have. But I think they're trying to change that this time. And that's what I'm a little worried about, you know, whether they're really going to be able to do it. So it'll be interesting to see. So let's talk about PSP. At All the right. Show. So there were a lot of PSP games at the show as well. Um, Metal Gear Solid Portable Ops. It's a, it's a real Metal Gear Solid game, not like the card game that you have with the Metal Gear Acid. I've started to think that Metal Gear Solid was a card game. <laughs> <laughs> no, this is a real one for the, uh, it, for the PSP. So it's not turn-based? No, no, it's oh. not turn-based. How they, am I going to get my turn-based Metal Gear Solid fix? I don't know. Oh, they have Metal Gear Acid, too. But, okay. um, all right, so one thing that's kind of cool about this is we talked about the GPS earlier using that. Uh, apparently, in uh, Portable Ops, it's going to use the GPS receiver to search for and collect new characters that can be recruited as soldiers. I have no idea how but that's going to work. Th- how does this even make sense? Okay, so the GPS is on your PSP. So right. does that mean like if you go out and drive around while you're playing it and go to different physical locations in the real world, you get something different out of it? You have to stop at stores that sell PSP gear. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know how it's going to work, dude, but it sounds... That e- might work. What would be interesting, actually what would be really interesting with GPS for the PSP, is if they could tell you when there's other players near you. Right. It's like, there's this guy and he's playing this game and he's only a mile to the north. I think they <laughs> like, might do like, that. That, that kind of that stuff. That would be cool. They it? might do that kind of. Stuff. Yeah. I mean, that's kind of what they they were talking about. 
Um, the, another game that they talked about was Parappa the Rapper. This is the old oh, PlayStation. Yeah. PlayStation oh, I love game? That game. It's yeah. PlayStation yeah. 1, right? Yeah. Yeah. So apparently it's exactly like the PlayStation 1 game, but uh, and it's a rhythm type game, right? Is that yeah. what it was? It's yeah. a rhythm game. It's one of the original rhythm games. Yeah. And they also talked about GPS navigation software. The receiver, the GPS receiver, I guess, is coming out in Japan in just two months, December 7th. It's going to be released. I don't know about the U.S. And again, we talked about Metal Gear Solid Portable Ops, but they're also going to have. Uh, uh, I think this is a uh, what's the golf game that they had for the PSP? Uh, Mina no Golf Joe. But that's the golf game that we've had for a while in the U.S. It has a different name. Hot Shots Golf, I believe. Hot Shots Golf, yeah. Right. So it's a, it's also going to have function as a map utility for real golf courses. So it'll include data on all the golf courses in domestic Japan. Uh, so and you let, can use it while you're playing real golf. Yeah, it lets the golfer <laughs> check out everything from uh, distance to obstacles as well as greens. It also can be used as a management tool for tracking score data. Now, the GPS receiver thing, that's kind of cool because the PSP has a really clear, bright, great screen for displaying stuff. And a GPS add-on to that, the thing about it is I'd want to be able to mount it on my car. And is there going to be a car mount for the PSP? I don't know. That's a good question. Because right I don't, now, I don't think this has anything to do with Hot Shots Golf, by the way. I no, think this is software just for mapping these uh, golf courses. Yeah. Well, if it's just for golf courses, that's not too interesting. No. Well, not unless you play a lot of golf. Yeah. Play yeah. A lot of golf. Okay. <laughs> Next time I'm in Japan playing golf, this will come in yeah. super handy. But uh, okay, actually, sounds pretty cool. Yeah. If you got it for for you know the U.S. For my, courses for my course. Yeah. So there's yeah. also some planetarium kind of astronomy thing. Yeah. Home Star Portable. Yeah, players can acquire their current location and display display the exact stars that they should be seeing up in the sky. That's kind of cool. So stuff like that. I mean, there's a lot of stuff that can be done with it, right? They're just kind of scratching the surface and saying, you know, what can we use this stuff yeah, for? We'll see what the implementation's like. You yeah. see if they pull off something really cool. It's relatively cheap. It's like 60 yeah. bucks for the GPS add-on for the PSP, and it's supposed that's, to be relatively small. Yeah, that's pretty cheap. That's good. So. All right, I guess they also showed, uh, how do you pronounce that, Tom? Tenshi no Mon 2. It's uh, Kingdom of Paradise 2, basically. Uh, another RPG for the PSP. And they showed Coded Arms Assault, which Coded Arms didn't do so well, but I guess Assault shaping up to look pretty good. All right, so that's kind of what we learned about Sony at the Tokyo Game Show. And, and on to Microsoft. Microsoft. Now, their keynote was a lot different than Sony's, where Sony's was a bit boring and you know very technology, we're doing this and that. Microsoft was a little more uh, whiz-bang. So what happened, Tom? Well, they started off talking about relaunching the Xbox 360 in Japan. I love the term relaunching. Well, I mean, everybody <laughs> knows that the 360 was kind of a dud in Japan. Well, it was, sold less than the original Xbox. It, it, it's On been launch a, day, I think, still. It's been the a bomb total. so far. Yeah. Um, which is too bad, because I like the system. I'm, I'm yeah. not knocking it. But um, they talked about how the user base of the 360 worldwide is growing. They're on target to ship 10 million units worldwide. And, ship uh, 10 million Ship. Units. Not necessarily sell, <laughs> but ship. Yeah. Um, and he said, uh, quote, the Xbox 360 is approaching a turning point in growth in the Japanese market. Well, I guess anything would be a turning point at this point, right? <laughs> yeah. I mean, if they, if they sold yeah. a couple, it but would they, be a turning but, point. But Tom, they have a new marketing slogan. It's called, or it goes, do, do, do. And the first do is do game. The second is do choice. And the third is do live or live. Live, or I think, live. Tom. Um, <laughs> yeah, I think the whole do, do, do came after we. They were like trying to come up with a similar. Some sounds- sort of other silly, silly slogan. Yeah. Okay. Um, this sounds like the programmers, programmers, programmers. Or developers. Developers, developers, developers. developers, developers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 
Um, so he said Microsoft has, quote, the strongest lineup in history, over 100 titles, including those for Live Arcade planned for Japan. Yeah, and then Peter Moore took the stage. He's corporate vice president of Interactive Entertainment. And he uh, pretty much stated that Microsoft is producing more content by Japanese developers for Japanese gamers. And I think they're really doing more of that with the 360 than they ever did with the original Xbox, right? Right. He mentioned there's going to be 50 titles exclusive for Japan. Of the 110 titles that are going to be released in Japan, 70 will be fully produced by Japanese developers. Which is, But will there be a high-def Mahjong? That's I'm what not we sure. want to know. I don't know. Maybe. Could be. <laughs> so he also introduced five new X, X, Xbox Live arcade titles, Yair Kung Fu. Do you remember that? Yeah, yeah I love that game, That dude. was one of the first fighting games. In fact, I'm sorry it's left off the later part of the show, but yeah. we'll talk about that later. Okay. But that's going to be exclusive to Japan, which is very sad. Very sad. Very sad. Very sad. But actually, I'll talk about something later that maybe you can get it on your Xbox. <laughs> Even in America. We'll talk about that later, though. No It's a little sneak preview. All right, so Gyrus, <laughs> Russian Attack, Miss Pac-Man, the new Rally X. Yeah, that's pretty much it. Um, those are the new titles. Um, he also announced the first ever World Pac-Man Championships that'll pit 10 Xbox Live players against each other sometime in 2007. And how do you pronounce his name? Uh, Toru Iwatani made right. a surprise visit, and he's the creator of Pac-Man. Yeah. And so he stated, quote, I hope Pac-Man will become the new communication tool that transcends generations. So what do you think of that? The whole uh, Pac-Man <laughs> worldwide tournament on Xbox Live. First of all, I would say that I can't control Pac-Man very well with my little D-pad. <laughs> it doesn't work good. But I find it hard to imagine Pac-Man being a communication tool. Because well, how do you player. communicate with people using Pac-Man? I but think he's just saying it's a game that can transcend generations, right, Tom. People, Come on. That, Get okay, through the okay. trans, <laughs> like, that, you know, language barrier. Come okay, on. You know so, what he's saying. So he's saying that, like... People from all over the yeah. world and all different generations Ages, can yes. relate to Pac-Man. Right, so, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. They, they, they pull this guy out of history, have, have, make him say something. What's he going to say? Yeah. Uh, transcends generations communication tool. Yeah, exactly. I mean, he's <laughs> okay. doing, doing so, the best he can, Tom. Give him a break. <laughs> so then they show some videos of games coming to Japan. Uh, Dead or Alive Extreme 2. Uh, this <laughs> very strange game called Trusty Bell. It's not a strange game. Strange name. It's a strange name and a strange game. I love the game, dude. It looks hot. But anyway, we'll talk about that later. Uh, Blue Dragon, Lost Odyssey. Those are games from Mistwalker Studios. Uh, um, they mentioned some peripherals like the vision camera, the wireless headset, the HD DVD player add-on. Yeah, they showed user-defined cool. bookmarks and the picture-in-picture display, which is pretty cool. Um, some other announcements they made after the press conference is that they're going to reduce the price on November 2nd of the Xbox Core package in Japan. It's going to go down to 265 and it's going to come with 99 nights in PGR3, which is an incredible deal, right? That is a great deal. PGR3 is a great game. 99 nights is a pretty fun game. It's not but one of my 265 top games. 265. But it's a pretty fun game to get along with the system. It's good. Yeah, you get two games for... That's insane. Yeah. Of course, uh, America's not seeing that price drop. Right. Because <laughs> we're rich over here. Yeah. And on November 22nd, <laughs> the HD DVD player is going to be released in Japan. I've heard two numbers for this. I've heard 169 and 177 But still, both of those prices in U.S. dollars is pretty cheap, right? Yeah. And it's it's kind of been talked about that it might... Is it doesn't mean that in U.S. it's going to be 169 It's going to be 150 maybe. I think the, the perfect price would be 150 But Well, we've, we've talked about this a bit on the message boards, Chris. And my position is, why would I buy this when I could buy a standalone HD DVD player that's probably going to be better? Because it's $1,000. It's $500. Uh, <laughs> it's $150, okay. Tom. 
So you're saying it's, you're about, it's all about the price. It's all about the price, yeah. <laughs> and, $150, Tom. And it competes with the Blu-ray right. PSP. I mean, right. for if it's 150 bucks and they're they're going for 500 or $1,000 right now, I'm going to definitely pick up one of these. And they are saying now, they're, they're kind of hedging their bet a bit and saying that maybe some games will take advantage of that. Now, if that was the case, yeah. if, if there are going to be games that yeah. can take advantage of the format, yeah. Then that would be a great But the reason. other nice thing about it is, Tom, is I don't, how many movies have you watched on your 360? I watch a lot of movies on my 360. Because okay, well, the cool thing about the 360 is that you can still get messages and stuff when you're watching movies, right? Although it's kind of annoying because you can turn that off, Tom. Movie, you can turn it off, Tom. And you're in you can the turn it off, Tom. And it comes up and it says, yeah. you know, Razor is online. Yeah, yeah we, well, not anymore, does it? But uh, <laughs> not now that your system died. No. But, uh, but you can disable that. But anyway, I kind of like that. I can set it no, up. No, I for like it in a way, yeah. too. Yeah. So. Apparently, it's going to have nice picture-in-picture with HD DVD, so you're not going to have to switch stuff around. So, I, I like it. You know, I think it's pretty cool. If it's 150, I'm going to buy one day one if, if I can find one. So, I'm, I was pretty stoked about that. So, uh, just like Sony, Microsoft had a bunch of playable games at TGS. Uh, we talked about earlier Blue Dragon. It's a 360 role-playing game from the legendary Final Fantasy creator uh, Hironobu Sakaguchi. Yeah, and if you see the videos for this. No. It's very Pixar-like in terms of animation and stuff. It's mm-hmm. very cool-looking. Um, I don't know. What, what is the game about, though? I don't, I don't even know. It's another uh, dragon game. Uh, it says you control Shu, the spiky-haired main protagonist, as he wanders about the inside of the robotic castle the enemy has constructed. You discover a robotic genius has designed an army of war robots to enact his nefarious plans. And it's up your... Up to your group to fight through the robotic army and give chase to the evil purple man before his goals are met. Right. So, uh, but it's very, it's very cartoony and Pixar-like. And if you, you know, you've seen all the Pixar movies, it looks a right. lot like that. Now, Lost Odyssey has a much darker look. Does it have a cameo sort of look? Uh, no, like, cameo isn't really Pixar-like. I wouldn't say it's hmm. not that. It's it's different. Hmm. So, Lost Odyssey is another game made by uh, the same studio and uh, Mistwalker. And it has a much darker look than Blue Dragon, um, but it's another uh, RPG. And it, obviously, what they're trying to do is get these Japanese RPGs to appeal to the Japanese audience, right? But also, a lot of American right. players like those oh, RPGs, sure, yeah. and they've like really them. been absent from the, the Xbox and also the 360. Yeah. Uh, obviously, they showed Lost Planet. That's uh, we've all played. The yeah, demo. we've played the demo. I love yeah. the demo. Of that I like the demo of Lost Planet better than I like the actual game of Prey. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> me too. <laughs> the uh, T- Tenchu Senran, that's a uh, Tenchu. That's a game that's been on Xbox, and I don't know, was it on PS2 as well? I'm not sure. It's been on a bunch of different yeah. platforms, and it's it's that sort of ninja game, right? Where, ninja Simulator. Yeah, yeah, it's very stealth based. It's yeah, it can, some of it's kind of slow paced. And they released this demo to the Xbox Live Marketplace, but it's only in Japan. What's with that? Okay, and. Again, further in the podcast and what we're playing, I'll reveal how you, too, can download download this game on your American Xbox. All you so. do is fly to Japan. No, plug in your you Xbox. guys even do that. <laughs> no, no, it's much simpler than that. Okay. Uh, Trusty Bell, another Japanese RPG, which we talked about earlier. Okay, now this game is really, really weird. You know why? Because, okay, here's Did you see the, the graphics on this game? No, but here's, It looks awesome. It might be, but listen to the description. It says, it follows the adventures of the young composer Chopin. Okay, I used to play the piano. I know who that is. So interesting. Okay. Graphical style of the game is heavily cel-shaded to the point where it's not even seeming very 3D, right? It looks awesome. 
And then it says, combat takes place in real time with all your characters appearing on the battlefield. Dude, what the hell? You're the composer Chopin and you're in real time combat? With with what? It sounds. <laughs> I don't, I don't, I don't know it. what you have a problem with there. They're trying to something new just like the Wii, Tom. You should like it. <laughs> well, okay, the, the new concept here is that you're a historical music composer and you're engaged in real time battle. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. I, I just don't get it. Well, you have to, have to I, wait, Tom. I don't understand this wait, at all. I think all this right. is... So probably the most surprising thing, even on top of the fact that the composer Chopin is is in real-time combat, is the fact that there were lines at the Microsoft booth in Japan. Well, that's good, right? Yeah, for the Lost Odyssey and Blue Dragon. Yeah, it's crazy. People were like, wow, there's lines at Microsoft. Normally, you can go play their games all day long. You can't get into any of the other booths. But... So that's cool. Well, so uh, what is... All... Okay, the other thing we should mention is that we, we discussed the Nintendo press conference as well as the Tokyo Game Show, but um, X06 is coming up this week. I guess it's Wednesday and Thursday in Barcelona, and that's Microsoft's press conference. So they're supposed to reveal... You know, Obviously, this is very focused on Japan, but we're going to get probably announcements about the HD DVD, about... They say there's going to be a big Bungie announcement, but we've heard that before. Hopefully, it's a release date of Halo 3. Who knows? Yeah. Um, that'll, that'll be interesting to see. So keep your eyes peeled for X06 this week and, uh, and check out the news on that because that should be interesting. So after all this information, what does it really mean? Is anybody get? Oh, here's the other thing. One week in November, I guess it's around the 19th, I think it's uh, Gears of War gets released in yeah. the week. Then mm-hmm. the PS3 is released. Yeah. And then like two days later, the Wii is released. That's going to be an insane week, dude. Yes. And I'm going to ignore it. You're going to ignore it? <laughs> you know, you know you're, why? You're going to buy Gears of War? I'm going to buy it eventually, but I, I've gotten really fed up with this, like, you have to camp out, you have to do all this. Like, you don't have to camp out for Gears of War, it's though. It's so you hard to, to get... go over to Chris's house. Right? It's, you know... But no, I'm talking about the new consoles. <laughs> I'm going to have Amy's little brother camp out for me. I, I'm not going to try to run around, try to get him the, you know, right when they launch. Well, I bought your 360 for you. I know. That was great. Thank you. But... Um, <laughs> <laughs> but you know what I'm saying. I'm too old for this now. It's like yeah. I'm not gonna. I'll just wait a couple months. I'll get it when it when I get it. You know, yeah. I have other games to play between well, now and then. I don't think the Wii is gonna be sold out, so I think you'll be able to pick up the Wii Day one. If it's not, then great. I'll go get one. Yeah. But I'm not gonna stand in some long line or, or be camping out for days or something like. Well, that. Well, I'm gonna be probably camping out for him just because uh, I I kind of enjoy it. And I think I'm gonna take Amy's little brother, like I said, and we'll just hang out and play PSP and DS all night long. <laughs> That sounds good. <laughs> I'm not okay. sure which one I want to get, though. I, I mean, if I had my choice, I would probably, since you're getting the Wii, I'd probably get the PS3, the lower-priced one, day one, mm-hmm. if I could. But I'm guessing there's no way I'm going to get a PS3. So, probably not. Probably not, yeah. So what does all this mean? Well, one thing I've been thinking about as we've been preparing for this show is that, you know, like all the media, we have the tendency, too, to kind of fall into this short-term thinking of like what's going to happen the day of launch what's going to happen here or there and really though these consoles have a really long life cycle probably at least five years maybe up to eight years or so and so these battles have not been decided yet it's not clear that the 360 is one it's not clear that nintendo is going to outdo the ps3 exactly we're going to have to wait years to know who really wins and you know i talked before about nintendo's sort of offering this whole new experience Sony's sort of offering a, a step up in graphics, but and, and in the short term, the new experience sounds better. But right. who knows in the long term? Because yeah. those gimmicks might be things you get tired of. You might get tired of swinging the controller around, right. or there may be you no know, other titles. Or you know, yep. Sony might come out with some incredible games that you yeah. want to buy the platform just yeah. to play those games. So it's really going to take a long time for this to all shake out. Right. And that's why I say, like, 
I don't, I don't understand these people who are so adamant about one thing or the other. To me, all the systems at this point are somewhat at a standstill. Right. We don't know which is going to be better. But right. for me, like, I really want to play Resistance. I want to play some of those games. So I would be interested in a PS3. I want to play the Wii as well. There's not as many launch titles that interest me, but I'm sure there will be. But it looks like fun. It looks like fun. Yeah. yeah but do I want to spend 350 bucks on that when I could get, you know, I, I don't know. You know, it's kind of hard to say at this point. I really want them all, but uh, I can't have them all day one. So, <laughs> Gotta catch them all. I know. So. It's like Pokemon. All right. So uh, mm-hmm. on to the next segment, which is uh, what, Tom? What we're playing. All right, Tom. Yeah, I got one right. All right, it's time for what we're playing. What are you playing, Tom? Still playing Test Drive Unlimited on the 360. It's a great game. Uh, my brother came over the other day. He's not really a gamer. I usually have to kind of talk him into playing a game with me, but after a while he will. I sat him down in front of Test Drive Unlimited, and I swear after a couple minutes, he was like, I just want to sit here the whole weekend and play this. He was just taken with it. And I think it's, it is it is a good game. It, it goes to show that it will suck in even a non-gamer. Um, I stayed up all night one night trying to get the motorcycles because to get the motorcycles you have to unlock all the car dealerships first and you have to drive all around the island. It takes forever. And I was so excited because I love motorcycles. And uh, the motorcycles in Test Drive Unlimited are really bad. Uh, the handling That's what I heard. The handling's completely unrealistic. Um, they just are silly. And uh, But it doesn't ruin the game for me. The game's still real fun. I just think of the motorcycles as sort of a silly Easter egg. Uh, finally saved up, got the Dodge Viper, so that's my latest car. It's really fun to have that's that. It's nice. It's nice. Now car. I gotta save up for a bigger house, because what happens in this game is in your house you only have room in the garage for a certain number of cars, and then you either have to sell cars or you have to get another house and have more garage space. So they keep you always wanting more money. So can people go to your house like when you're not online and like rate it? No, no, it's uh, not so like that. That would be a cool feature. That would be a cool feature. It would be cool if it was like GTA. You could break into other people's houses right. and steal uh, their cars. Now, and stuff. But do you have a section of land on the island that's yours where your house is? You do, but that, and you can see it on the map and everything, but that part of it is not really multiplayer, so people can't come to your house. Oh, well, that's lame. Um, but there are certain shared areas that are like clubs where multiple people could go and multiplayer. Yeah, I heard that there's different clubs and you got to yeah. pay more money to get to the more exclusive clubs. Yeah, um, what I like about this game is. It works equally well as a game you can just dip in and play for five minutes at a time, or a game you can sit down and play for hours and hours at a time. That's that, I really like that aspect of it because you know I can log in, I can do one race, I can go challenge one player to a race, take you know two or three minutes, or I can sit there for hour after hour just driving all around the island, doing all kinds of things. That's cool. It's cool. Um, Saints Row, I'm still playing. Still really fun. I got to the part where you, you told me about this. I think that yeah. I got to the part where you can take drugs, right, and, and drink alcohol, yeah. and the game, the screen goes all sort of woozy. It's, <laughs> yeah. it's kind of funny. And uh, to me, the best part of this game is that you can call up your homies on the cell phone That's and get right. them to come along with you on missions. Yeah, because what this genre is always missing for me is. It was always sort of a go-it-alone genre. It's like you're always by yourself doing right. all this stuff. Well, if you're in a gang, you know, you're not going to be by yourself. You're going to have other people helping you out. And, and that's what Saints Row does so well is, is you get to invite your homies along 
And it's not just like a generic henchman. There's like different specific individuals that come along with you, and they're all different. And some of them might have uh, different weapons or different personalities. It's right. really quite cool. Some of them, like they can drive. You can be in the passenger right, yeah, seat, and they cool. drive around. That's you can awesome. totally shoot. The first yeah. time I saw that happen, I was like, "Wow, they're driving! I'm like shooting out the window. This is really fun." Yeah. Now I gotta ask if, uh, specifically, how do they do with the realism of the drug taking? I mean, when you take the drugs, does it make everything more fun, just like real life? <laughs> <laughs> I, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't really know. I wouldn't really say that it made <laughs> yeah. it more fun. It was just kind of funny that yeah. you can do that in the game. Okay, and okay. like you can go into these stores where you can buy. Specific specific drugs and alcohol right and then you can take it it's kind of funny it's like it's it's sort of like uh, they're almost going too far on purpose yeah and i'm sure there's going to be complaints about this but i really thought that that was a funny touch yep uh on the getting away from the 360 for a while going to uh nintendo ds i'm playing phoenix Wright ace attorney right this game really reminds me of the old sierra style graphic adventures except you don't really move do you no (laughs) it's It's kind of a simplistic game. It's, it has an anime style to the art, which I love. Um, you sort of have to... It's sort of like Perry Mason. You have to present evidence right. and cross-examine witnesses and stuff. And um, It's simple, but it's really fun. And I like the artistic style a lot. Um, well, that's it for me. What, what, what about, are you guys uh, playing? Woody? What are you playing? Playing anything this time? I got nothing. All right. So what are you doing, <laughs> Dave? You got anything? I, I, yeah. <laughs> Well, uh, a few podcasts ago, it was probably one or two months ago, uh, we had our first interview. And, yeah, uh, that's right. Uh, one of our listeners told us about a game called The Ship. That's right, right and I picked it up. <laughs> and how is it? That ship with I, a P. You know, I'm, I'm not the kind of person who likes first-person shooters. In fact, I, I would say I detest them because they make me dizzy. Right, <laughs> yeah. But I really got into this game. It was, it was, it was, it's pretty cool. Is um, that because you're playing it on a machine with such a low frame rate that it doesn't well, really I look like you're moving work, around? Chris. Oh, okay, sorry. <laughs> but my, my, my machine at home seems to be just fine. Okay, because what it works looked like it was more like uh, one of those, you know, still frame photography. Yeah, type I, thing. That, that would make you sick. But I, yeah. but I loved it so much. I, would, I even, uh, I, I. I put up with that to play with it and show it to you guys. Yeah, it looked awesome though. Um, it's it's a lot of fun. It's not a matter of getting the biggest gun and shooting everything in sight. Oh, uh, there's all these areas sick. you can't you can't go uh, with with a weapon exposed. Otherwise, you get arrested and thrown in jail. I I had a really it was I thought it was really interesting in that um, it's it's it, I, it's primarily an online game, which is kind of one of its negatives. But right. um, I went online the first time and just kicked butt. All right. And and as as a as not a you know big fps guy i thought that was kind of that was kind of kind of scary like it's just, <laughs> what's is, is are no you sure anybody else playing, playing? yeah is it well no other people were playing but they were worse than i was and maybe I, they weren't really playing maybe they just had their computers on yeah <laughs> me, well they were moving they around their computers on their cats were were clicking on the keyboard <laughs> and then the, well then i joined another server and got my ass kicked by all right well, there you go. more so, people don't so I but and I can't seem to find one where I'm uh, either. So did, yeah, Dave, did you respect the game less because you won it, and then once you yeah once you lost, you thought it was good again? Well, isn't that kind of strange? It is kind of strange, but it, it, I would if every game if if the only way I uh, if every game I played online turned out to be crappy. Or I mean, I turned out to win everyone. That seems kind of boring. Maybe. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, um, that's it. I mean, All right. So. Uh, like we mentioned earlier, my 360 broke, but uh, luckily, I guess Microsoft announced that there were indeed flaws in the initial batch of 360 shipped out. <gasps> You're it, kidding! And apparently, 
Mine was one of those 360s, and and you know what? Tom, yours was too. Oh, <laughs> uh, mine's still going. It, well, you know what they For say? For now, <laughs> they say that uh, you know you might think everything's going great, and then one day the red rings of death will visit you too. So this was a flaw. So did you a buy manufacturing it? flaw? Yeah, manufacturing flaw. Uh, did you buy the extended warranty? No. You should call Microsoft and buy the extended warranty. It's like 49 bucks for two years. Anything goes wrong, they'll replace the console. Uh, it's better than the 200 bucks or whatever you have to have. To uh, have sounds a, good. Yeah. I will do that. What's the number? No. <laughs> <laughs> it's like 1-800-MY-XBOX or something like that. 1-800-MY-XBOX blew up. <laughs> Xbox. I don't know. It's something like that. I don't know. That can't be right. It's not, not the right amount of numbers. But anyway. Okay. So anyway, here's the deal. So, like, uh, because mine was in the initial batch, they announced, like, the day after mine broke, I was all pissed off, and I was like, how the heck am I going to get this fixed? I don't want to pay this money. Uh, they announced that there was this flaw, and so they've extended the warranty to one year. So, I, they're going to replace the whole system free of charge. They're going to nice. send me a box to my house. I just put it in there, send it back in a couple weeks to get my new but Xbox. do you lose all your save games? What happens to that? No, you take the hard drive off, you strip everything off, but just the console you send back, and they send you, uh, I guess it's a refurbed one, but that's fine with me. I just want to play as my games. As long as it works. Yeah, that's cool. So. so, in the absence of my uh, 360, I've been playing a lot of PS2 games. Uh, for those who don't know, I had a PS2 for a long time, and then my PS2 broke. And Does uh, this have to do with it? Was that on the 13th, too? No, I don't believe so. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, my PS2 broke, and uh, then I played a lot of Xbox games, and I got my 360, and never really played a lot of the later games for the PS2, like mm. God of War and those. So I've been kind of messing around playing those, trying to find a game I really liked, and I finally found a game that I really want to play, and it's uh, Shadow of the Colossus. And yeah. we, we actually got together and played this a little bit before the podcast. Yeah, we I played was showing, it before the show a bit. It's a beautiful looking game. It's, yeah, it's an old game, but it's it's awesome looking. The art style is pretty incredible, and the sounds and the music are pretty awesome. Yeah, great art direction. It's the same people who made the game uh, Eco or Ico, however yeah. you say that. No, what's kind of cool about the game is that there's, and I'm sure maybe for a lot of people who played this is somewhat redundant, but just get the word out for those who haven't played this game. You only fight boss characters. There's nothing else in the game, only boss characters. Which And they're really big. They're huge, enormous. And, uh, so How and, big uh, are they? Very large. They're big. Yeah, so, <laughs> so the game's really fun. If you guys haven't played it for the PS2, I think you can pick it up real cheap. I'm borrowing a friend's copy, but, um, but I recommend you pick it up and give it a shot. Been playing a lot of my PSP recently, playing Lego Star Wars 2. Pick that up. I'm loving that game. I really like it because I can just, you know, without even clearing a level, put it in sleep mode, come back up and resume. And yeah. the visuals on this game are pretty much on par of what I've seen of the Xbox and the PS2 versions, which is pretty nice. That's cool. Um, I tried the DS version. A friend at work has it, and it just sucks. They, like, <laughs> changed the game totally to make it fit on the DS, and the graphics are pretty crappy, which just shows that, you know, these kind of games that are somewhat of a console port work well on the PSP, don't necessarily right. work really well on the DS. So. Well, I'm looking forward to LEGO Star Wars 2 on the 360 because of the two-player co-op. We have that as well on the PSP through Ad yeah. Hoc Wireless. But I don't have two PSPs. Yeah, but I have a PSP. <laughs> okay, we'll have to try that. <laughs> yeah. All right, so uh, I also got a chance to play the Killzone Liberation demo on the PSP. Um, yep. Killzone, it's kind of interesting what they did. They kind of pulled it back. It's a, a very much an above-the-top kind of view, you know, an angled view Uh but it's like uh, Diablo or something like that. Yeah, it's similar, but more like kind of more of an angle than that. It's, it's kind of hard to explain. I can show it to you later. But it's they're not trying to do a whole FPS thing with this, right? Because that doesn't work really well with the PSP. So they're trying a new kind of style, I guess, with the single analog. But um, but it looks pretty good. 
the level was real short that I played, but um, it actually looks pretty decent. I think I'll probably pick it up. And before my 360 broke, and I was looking at the Tokyo Game Show, uh, Tenchu Saron, that demo came out, and uh, on the Japanese marketplace, and I this kind of sucks, right? Because we can't play it. We're in America. Right. So I remember hearing a while ago that and that um, you can download the Japanese uh, demos, and I couldn't remember how, so I Googled, and I found that what you have to do is you sign up for a Hotmail account and say that you're in Japan. <laughs> so you sign up for a Hotmail account, say you're in Japan, and then you uh, use that account, you, you tell, you know, and when you go into your 360, you create a new live account oh. using that email address, uh-huh. and then you have to enter certain information from, like, the postal code and stuff in Japan, but there's a website that presents a list of those that you can enter. <laughs> <laughs> so I entered that information, and then I got a profile, you know, using uh, Silver, and it totally connected me to the Japanese marketplace, and I could download all the Japanese demos. Now, see, if only... The 360 had had the GPS. They would have busted you because they would have known that you weren't really in Japan. No, what's kind of cool is you can download (laughs) all of the Japanese 360 demos doing that. And then you can load your U.S. profile and play the games because they exist on your hard drive. Oh, sneaky, sneaky. So so if anybody wants details, I'll post something to the forum of how to sign up. You can also get a European live account and uh, play the European exclusive games as well. Wow. It's pretty crazy. But those all suck, so there's no reason to do that. Okay. Yeah, that might be true. I don't know. I just didn't. <laughs> just right, so, so anyway, uh, Woody just wanted to to stick in a criticism that would offend our European listeners exactly. for no apparent reason. Exactly. We have European but, listeners. Yeah, yeah. We, do. we do. Quite Ooh. a few, actually. So, uh, yeah. So, um, <laughs> so anyway, yeah. If you guys want to know how to get on the Japanese marketplace, just post to the forum, and I'll tell you how to do it. Anyway, I played the demo. It looked pretty good, but it, like I say, it was like a lot of the other Tenchu games. Um, graphics are pretty good, though. I was pretty impressed. But uh, then my 360 broke, so I haven't got to play it since. So before we quit the segment, I just want to say, again, thanks to some of the people who've been posting in the forums. Uh, One of our listeners who's been on the show, Dante, actually wrote a review of some of his favorite podcasts, including ours, which is really cool. Uh, Thanks to everybody else who's been participating in the forums. And if you haven't yet, come on to uh, twitchasylum.com. All right. On to the next segment, which is... Retro Respect. All right, it's time for the Retro Respect section. This time we're not doing history of video games like normal. That's going to be back next episode. Uh, This time we decided to try something a bit different, just to kind of change it up a bit, keep you guys on your toes. And uh, what we're doing this time is we came up with a list, each of us individually, our top 20 favorite arcade games of all time. And then we kind of cumulatively totaled the scores and came up with the composite top 20 or 21 actually it turned out there was 21 because there was a tie there was for, a tie there yeah. were a lot of ties a lot apparently. of ties but, uh, but but we had to put 21 so yeah. and let me just say this this is not about historical context or deeper meaning or anything like that it's about the top 20 for us personally what games would we most like to play in the arcades right so i guess without further ado let's start the list number 21 tied is- for last <laughs> tied for last, tied pl- for last place, but yet it was Dave's number two pick. My number two pick, Phoenix. Phoenix, and that's by Century in 1980. 1980. Uh, so the arcade game Phoenix. Uh, why don't you talk a little bit about that? Well, um, let's see. It's a uh, kind of a space invader kind of uh, ship 
move back and forth thing. Um, right, and you have levels with different kind of bird-shaped spaceships, like birds, and uh, each level changes a bit, right? It starts out kind of being more like Galaxian-like, and yeah, there's, there's like eggs that turn into... Right, you know, I remember cracking open the eggs. Right. There, there's there's like five yeah. levels, two two where there's a Galaxian kind of like a, attack, uh, and then, then the middle two levels are egg, birds coming out, starting as eggs. You can If you shoot them as eggs, they're easier to, to kill. They're not right. firing at you at that point. And uh, then the last level is a, a boss. boss. And I'm, I'm not sure if this is one of the first games with a boss character in it. It might be. It's 1980. It probably is. Maybe. Yeah. So um, one thing that was interesting about this game is it was really one of the first full-color arcade games along with Galaxian. So it really hmm. kind of stood out at the time. A lot of the games were black and white back yeah. then. Well, I think one of my favorite things about this, um, well, both sides, the fact it was one of the first games I got good at. Uh, is that it had the shields, um, right? Yeah. Uh, which I thought was a really cool concept. Um, right. That you you know you're when you're playing these games you're 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 looking for like the space between the bullets so you move your ship between them. Right. That's pretty much. But this has another uh, uh, option. For, so if you if you're not gonna if you, that space isn't there or something's coming right at you, you hit the shields and you can use it as an offensive weapon. Right. As well <laughs> as uh, defensive. So one thing I really remember about this game was the fact that whenever you would start the game or clear the whole like kill the ship at the end it would play the music what was it a classical a classical piece right kind of, what was it uh i looked it up it was bach toccata and fugue in d in d minor d minor d minor yeah <laughs> so it's, it's pretty cool for a video game way back in the 80s to play that but it was do you remember was, that at all tom i, I do remember the game i think they had it like at the local grocery yeah. store so um, um wasn't it, in my top 20 but it's a good game it had a lot more variety than even galica but it just never reached that level of popularity but i remember right. playing it a ton a ton because I think a lot of the century games. I don't know if you remember this back in the day. Dang it! Oh, you always say that. I was, back once in the an day. episode, at least once. Back in the day, they used to uh, have these arcade games that were by the actual manufacturers, and then they would have other games where they'd basically just replace the insides, right? Yeah. But they'd have these kind of generic cabinets. Yeah, exactly. A lot of the century games, Pleiades, uh, oh, as yeah, well as Pleiades, yeah. Mer- uh-huh. and Phoenix. You were the and Ladybug. A lot of the Universal games, Ladybug, <laughs> Space Panic, and those were the ones that were popular to put in those machines. So you never really saw. I've seen an authentic Phoenix machine, but a lot of times you would see it in these in kind some of other cabinet. Machine. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. So all right, number twenty. Number twenty. Yes. This was Dave's number four and Chris's number nineteen. A game called Space Zap, which I know nothing about. Uh, I've never even Midway played was the <laughs> producer. Midway in nineteen eighty. It's called Space Zap. It's a really old game. It was yeah. black and white, and it had a color overlay. Color to make overlay, it, right? To and it's it's really a reflex game, and uh, some people have called it like Simon on steroids. It's it's a but, super twitch game. So what happens is it's about as simple as you can get for an arcade game. You have this base in the middle that's kind of square, and what will happen is on each of the four uh, northwest, north, south, east, and west, north, south, east, and west of this little uh, you know base. base uh, a spaceship will appear. You just have to hit the button that represents that side. And there's these and big, four big yeah. yellow buttons that you hit and then hit fire. So it's all about slam, 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 slam. Every time and, it, it appears, and it, eventually it gets really, it gets really fast. And it's it. You're you're not even thinking about it anymore. You're, right. It's all reflex. 
and it's insane, but it's really addictive, and it really kind of pumps up the adrenaline, just hitting these buttons and slamming it. And when you clear a level, a little spaceship will circle the satellite. The killer satellite will circle around you, and then if you don't shoot it, because you keep you keep trying to shoot it, but it's circling around you real fast, it'll run right into you and kill you. <laughs> but the game is, to- your ship's totally stationary in the middle, and things just appear around you. So like I say, the gameplay is super basic, but it's the whole reflex-based thing. Um, that that I think makes it really addictive. I I'd, I'd never heard of this game, and I I never remembered it. Uh, Chris remembers it in the arcade, right? With the yeah. big yellow buttons. When I was growing up, there's a place called Rico's Pizza. Uh, yeah. Do you remember that? Yeah, place? I remember. It. You do not remember Rico's Pizza, do you? In Portland? Yeah. Yeah, I remember. It. Uh, they had a huge arcade with like games like Berserk, mm-hmm. and it's yeah. This is one of the very first games that I played, and it was it was there at Rico's, and they had a cocktail version of this game. So I used to sit around playing it all the time. I just thought it was awesome. So, so Chris told me about this game, and I and and I've got it up and running my main box, and I tell you that is the funnest game to play after a <laughs> yeah. few, after a few beers. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Get, get with your friends, and been out, you know, having a good time. Come back and play some Space Zap, and we've been that playing is it fun. actually quite a bit at work. Yeah, it's the first game since it doesn't have a way to save high scores or associate initials with them. We've put we put them on the whiteboard. Whiteboard. All right. With the do not erase important right next to it. <laughs> All right, so, so coming in at number nineteen. Number nineteen. Uh, Tom is the only person who voted for this, and he voted for it. it uh, it's his number one pick, Dance Dance Revolution. I put this as Wait my minute, number you gotta one. You got to introduce the company, Konami. Konami, nineteen ninety nine. This is uh, most of our games. You'll notice are very old games. This is one of the newer ones, nineteen ninety nine. Um, I put this as my number one, and the reason is that of all arcade games, the only one that today. If I walk into any place that has this game, I will immediately reach in my pocket for a quarter. I will start walking uh, towards it. Is it more than one quarter, Tom? It is. It is more than one. But I, <laughs> but you know what I'm saying. I will. My hands instinctively go to my pocket for a quarter. I will start walking over there. If there's a movie, if I'm going to a movie theater and it has this, I will miss the first five minutes of the movie to play this game. That's how much I like it. And you have a problem, Tom. It, <laughs> it's a great game. And first of all, this is one of the only games where you actually get physical exercise playing a video game. Not only do you get exercise, but after an intense session of Dance Dance Revolution, you can be out of breath. You can be exhausted. I yeah. mean, it is, it is an intense game. It sounds, and, sounds like it. Uh, it. The other thing is... Some people have never seen a really expert player play this game. I've, yeah, I have. And it's if you insane, have, dude. it is crazy. Like, if, Let me tell you, if you've only played this yourself and you played it on the easy modes and you're kind of like, oh, you know, step, 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 no big deal, go to one of the big video game conventions or anime conventions and watch the people who are the real experts. I'm not one of them, but, it, but watch the people who are really great play this game. It will blow your mind. Yeah. They have these Bruce Lee-like skills. They're just yeah. like going nuts on this yeah. thing and it's amazing to see um this game has been adopted by schools we talked about this in an yeah. earlier podcast yeah. as part of the pe um it's just it's really cool i yeah. just love it and uh in fact it does resemble space app in, in a lot in of ways <laughs> so actually, this, this means space app or i mean ddr is the with the or which space app with the, with the foot pedals right exactly. i get my exercise too yeah right yep and uh, yeah, I've read where a lot of people lost weight playing the game. You know, it's like their exercise program. So yeah. and at PAX too, there was they had a DDR machine, and I saw a couple people who were expert players just to going nuts on it. And yeah, it, it looks like they were pretty skillful, you know, at it, but they still looked a bit insane. <laughs> <laughs> All right, 
Coming in at number 18, again, uh, Tom had this as his number two pick. Woody had it as number 20 pick. It's Crazy Taxi by Sega in 1999, another 1999 game. Why don't you guys talk about this one a bit? Well, i got to say, the reason this is on my list is it's one of those games where it's just frenetic activity. It's just fast. It just it starts out fast. It moves fast. You just move, drive around. And it's unlike a lot of racing games where it requires careful threading of you know the racetrack, other cars. It was just so action-packed for a driving game. It's it was an amazing. adrenaline rush of yeah, the game. Yeah. Yeah. And it didn't. I thought it was a realistic driving. Experience. <laughs> yeah. And it's pretty much the as opposite as you can get as a, like a simulation. Um, it's very cartoonish action, but it was just very fun to play. It's a quick jolt, a lot of adrenaline, good you know, times. What I found was interesting when uh, researching just some factoids about this is that it's part of Sega's professional series. Interesting. And uh, that's the over-the-top <laughs> job simulations, much like their uh, sports games. So apparently they have a whole series of professional series games, which are over-the-top job simulations. So it would be kind of like EA Street, but for jobs instead right. of uh, yeah. sports. <laughs> Do you yeah. know of any other examples of that? I genre? don't, but that's what it said. <laughs> right. So I'm assuming there's other professional... If you guys know other bowling professional series uh, games, let us know. I can't think of any, though. Tapper? Well, Duck yeah. Hunt yeah. For, for Hunters. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, Sega's professional series. So I don't know. I used to play this game a ton on the Dreamcast, but I never really played it much at the Yeah, arcade. the Dreamcast version was quite good. It was awesome, yeah. I mean, I remember my family and my wife and everybody really liked to, uh, to play this game. So, And uh, when Grand Theft Auto came out, uh, they eventually had like a, a little mini mode within... Uh, Grand Theft Auto that was like Crazy Taxi where you'd pick up passengers. So we never really said what the game was. Maybe everybody probably knows. But essentially in this game, you drive this taxi cab, you pick up people, and you drop them off at random locations. So each passenger has a certain destination, and you have to drive them there within a certain amount of time and then find another passenger. And it's really frenetic because you're always racing against the clock, and there's there's all sorts of traffic and stuff. It's really cool. All right, no, number seventeen. Number seventeen. Another game I've never played. Dave but had this as his number one. My pick. number one game. Nobody else had it on their Nobody list. Nobody else even heard of it. Or, it's well, Chris has heard of it. Yeah. Satan's, Hollow. Satan's Hollow. And that's Bally Mid. We'll say it one more time. Satan's Hollow. Bally Midway, nineteen eighty-two. All right. So, uh, what about this game? Well, in this uh, in this game, it's another um, side to side. Your ship's down at the bottom. You're fighting demons, and right. uh, again, you have shields on this, which I really like. I guess I just like that 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 feature. Um, this one, instead of Phoenix, you can see how many shields you have left. So that after you use them for a while, they have, you have to watch them recharge. Right. Um, uh, it has a really neat feature that you're as you're shooting um, oh, the enemies down in the first screen. They you each time you shoot one, you, a little piece of bridge um, is dropped off, and you can you can. Uh, Carry that over to a lava a river, lava river, and, right. and build a bridge across, and then you get to fight a boss character. You get to fight Satan. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and, and depending how many levels you clear before you uh, build the bridge and go over to the other side, you get bonus points, uh, which tally up in a very uh, um, reassuring way. Right, a, a, a good payoff. It's a good payoff when you. The cool it. thing about this game, the thing that I liked, is it. You know how Tron had that little glowing, like on the control panel, it glowed, yeah. and it had the controller, the kind of unique controller, uh, had exactly the same thing on Satan's Hollow, except for it was red. So it was, <laughs> it was all like red, and on the side, the side art had a big demon, like a Satan grabbing for like this ball thing or something like that. It was kind of weird, but 
That so was your soul. He was grabbing food. It could have been. Yeah, it may have been. It probably, <laughs> probably was. I knew I lost it somewhere. So um, I used to play this game a ton at Clackamas Town Center. And they put it kind of in the back because it was, uh, you know... The thing is, a lot of parents had a problem with the theme of this game. You know, Why Satan. would they possibly have a problem with the theme of uh, Satan? I don't know, dude. I think, I, I don't, but could apparently... It it was a big, <laughs> big deal. So, uh, so they put it in the back corner, which was cool because it was so dark back there that it would really glow. You know, and it so like, really attract you. Yeah. Back so I'd be like, I'm going to go back and play some Satan's Hollow, and I loved it. That sound was awesome. It used some of the newer hardware from Midway, uh, so it had really good sound. Um, I guess it used the Flight of the Valkyries music, which was really yep. cool. Yeah. Um, so classic. yeah, I really liked this game. I thought it was interesting, but um, but not on your list. Didn't make, would, your, didn't make your top 20. It would have been right outside the top 20. Right. So, yeah. Good enough. All right, coming in at number 16. Well, uh, before we move on, okay. I just want to point out something interesting I noticed. Um, now, we've talked about two games here, uh, the number 17 and the number 19 pick, both of which were the number one games and on no one else's list. But the <laughs> number 19 game was Tom's number one, and the 17 game was Dave's number one. And I just want to say that in no way reflects the uh, order in which we value our contributors. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure it was a tie. It was a tie, yeah, that's true. And as the tiebreaker, we just picked, you know, whose Actually, opinion you, was you, most important. What we, what we picked is the way Excel decided to order it. Ah, so, okay, okay, that's, okay. How, that's how it worked. So, coming in at 16, we have Asteroids Deluxe. This was Chris's number 6 and my number 15. And that was uh, by Atari in 1980. This was a sequel to Asteroids, and it surprises me. A lot of people don't know about Asteroids Deluxe. It didn't achieve the fame of Asteroids, but it's actually better than Asteroids, Did you, did I think. you play my Asteroids Deluxe over here ever? No, okay. but I, I played it in the arcades all the time. All right. um, one of the big differences is that instead of hyperspace, you have shields. Right. And I think this is a huge improvement because hyperspace is essentially random. Yeah, Like, sucks. you hit the button and you either die or you appear somewhere right, and yeah. you have no control over it. The shields make a lot more sense because you can use it, you can judge how much to use it. Um, they I also, like how you bounce too. Yeah, when you, when you hit and you bounce asteroids. off the if, shields, repel you from right. the asteroids. And if two asteroids, you know, crush you, you do die. Yeah, it's cool. <laughs> and then also, one of the big strategies from original asteroids was just to leave one or two rocks and then lurk there saucer and hunting. just shoot the saucer. Yeah. Right. So they tried to eliminate that by making it so that when the saucer would come in, it would shoot the asteroids, so that it would eliminate them, so you couldn't just lurk there. Which is it was kind of a good uh, way to force you to work a little harder and be more creative but in this game actually they added the killer satellite as well do you remember the killer satellite yeah uh, that's the one that fragmented into multiple enemies right yeah that's exactly right what would happen is you shoot it and then it breaks into these little uh you know triangle pieces or whatever and they come right after you super fast so that's another reason you know that it was very hard to keep killing these killer satellites so you wanted to kind of clear the level so you can move on but my favorite feature of this game was the look of it yeah, it looked really cool. It, it sort of it, it made it seem like the playfield was suspended above right. the background in a very yeah. three dimensional way. It's hard to explain, but I've actually um, restored one of these, and mm-hmm. uh, I still have it. And uh, the way it works is there's a mirror in there, and so the whole display of the vectors is backwards. You know, if the graphics is backwards, it's reflected off the mirror and up right. to display. And then it, you've got a fluorescent light in there that lights up this kind of neon background that has kind of the asteroids and a, even a yeah. pic, the ship. So yeah, it it's not great. really a mirror. It's like a piece of glass that you're just reflecting because you can see through it, right? No, it's a mirror that it reflects. Is- That's why it has it backwards and then it oh, reflects yeah. up. Okay, okay. Yeah. Right. So, yeah. It's pretty cool. Yeah, I had to go and clean off the mirror because it was all dirty. <laughs> <laughs> Number 15, Tempest. 
Right. From Atari in 1980, Tom had this as his number eight. Dave had it as his number 12. That's right. It was good. It was one of my favorite games. One of the, one of the games where I, 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 I mastered it pretty quick. Um, it, I guess we should explain what it is. It's, yeah, what is it? It's a vector-based game. It, uh, it had a controller where you rotate a knob, and so you, you sort of and there was a rotate geogra- around the outside of, of this, this geographic grid. Pattern. And that looked and like a shoot tube. shoot down into the inside. Yeah, it's like a tube, and you shoot down into the inside, and at the very end of each level, you fly down into that tube. Right. It's kind of like Gyrus in a way, but it used color vector graphics. You know, Gyrus had kind of that, you'd go around, yeah. and you shoot down. It's very, very crisp, very pretty game. Yeah, the thing is that, you know, I remember playing it back in the past... And um, <laughs> you were about to say back in the day. I might have been. And, so for, uh, for people playing at home, the drinking game, whenever he says back in the day, you take a yeah. drink, well, you don't get to. Yeah. But I just said it, so yeah. go ahead. So what was kind of cool about this game is that the nothing really, you didn't know what anything was. They were just like geometric shapes, right? You yeah. had this, I guess they called it a crab that was your shooter. That I think tr- what you're trying to say is this game had no plot. There it were just no, these, no, there but were even, these weird even if, shapes. Even if, yeah, but the, the shapes were just <laughs> odd. You didn't know really what they were. There was like this crab-shaped thing that would shoot down, and some of the enemies, you wouldn't really know what they were. Yeah. But it was really cool-looking because it used a color vector display, yeah. right? Yeah. yeah. So um, the other thing that was kind of interesting is when you'd clear a level, you'd, you'd kind of zoom down this tunnel and then go to the next level, right? And these things that would appear... Uh, what were they? The spikes. You'd have to avoid the spikes. Yeah, there were yeah. these little green things that would grow a spike up, and then it, 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 if you didn't shoot it as you flew down the tunnel, you would get impaled on the spike and die. Right. Right. And another cool thing about it is the, and you touched on this earlier, the use of the dial controller. I remember spinning that, new, that yeah. you know, and just playing the yeah, game. Yeah, it had it had quite a bit of weight to it, so you yeah. could sort of spin it real hard, and it would yeah. keep spinning after <laughs> you took your hand off. Yeah. I, I got to say, so, my strategy in this game never evolved beyond uh, just spinning the dial as fast as I can and pressing the button as fast as I can. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> That's a basically, I think, what my my strategy. So this was is doing. where button mashing all began back right. in 1980. No, this was a great game. No, it was a good game. It was, yeah. it was great to see after you cleared a level what the next shape would be. Yeah, I, right. I thought that was really. I got into that. All right, so at number fourteen, this is a my number three, Woody's number seventeen, and it's Dragon's Lair. Dragon's Lair from Cinematronics, nineteen eighty-three. Uh, have we ever talked about this on the show? I oh yeah, I think we mentioned it once, once or twice. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> so we've talked about it a ton. Obviously, it's uh, Dirk to Daring. He's going uh, trying to capture, uh, you know, rescue Princess Daphne. Uh, Singe the Dragon Hazard, you know, the whole plot. Don Bluth, Disney animator, the guy who made the game. First Laserdisc game, really. Not really the first Laserdisc game, but the first one, really, that got popular. Um, you know, obviously, I've, I've talked about a lot how much I love this game because it really, at the time, it was different than anything else. And being young, I was always into, like, the choose-your-own-adventures, and this right, was really yeah. my ability to uh, play an animated film in choose-your-own-adventure fashion. And the fact that the gameplay was limited really didn't bother me back then because I, I got to control a cartoon and what could be cooler than that? Yeah, it's great. And even today, I still enjoy playing this game. And maybe it's due to the nostalgic factor or whatever, but I just I love this game. So. Well, and the fact there's still nothing quite like it. I mean, right. same for me. It was the fact that it's it's almost like you're playing in a in an animated film and it's, that was still so groundbreaking. And there's still nothing like it, right? Right, yeah. yeah. At number 13, Cyberball from Atari in 1988. This was Woody's number 5 and my number 14 game. And this uh, is a game where... Uh, go ahead, Woody. Why don't you describe I, I, it? I mean, you could sum it up in one line. Uh, 
robots playing football. It doesn't get any better robots than that. Robots playing football where the ball is a bomb that explodes if you don't get right. a first down and kills you. Yes. And I love when I was a kid and playing this game, I loved that aspect of it. That, that it was like even more violent than regular football because the ball was a bomb. And um, by winning, you get money and you can upgrade different players. You can buy your better robots get a better and stuff. Quarterback, uh, better receiver. Yeah, and it had a it had a really good multiplayer mode where you could play uh, two player cooperative. You could play four player two on two. Um, football games have gotten so realistic that now you can go out and get the latest Madden, latest NCAA football, whatever, and those are great. They they have a very realistic football experience, but in many ways. I would just as soon play Cyberball as those games. It's just as much fun. I, I love Madden, but it still doesn't come close to what I felt playing Cyberball. That was still <laughs> the greatest football game ever. So the one story I have about this, I never really played the game much, but um, I think it's Ed Rodeberg. He's the guy who did Battlezone. I believe that's who it was. I, at one of the California Extreme um, presentations, was talking about the fact that he, he was one of the designers of this game. I believe that's who it was. Yeah. And he, him and it, the guy he was developing it with had gotten really good at the game. This is before they released it. And they were like, you know, we've got this game down. We know what all the techniques are. We can take anybody. And what they would do at Atari is they'd put it in a testing, you know, one arcade. They'd pick an arcade. They'd, they, they wouldn't even tell them they were testing it, but they'd just shove this game in there that didn't appear in any other right. arcade. So they put it in there. It was in there for like three days. And they went, wanted to go in and see how it was doing. And there was a bunch of people playing it. And they walked up there and they're like, dude, we can totally kill any of these guys. And it's a four-player game, right? So it's two-on-two. Right. And uh, there were him and the Ed and the guy that co-designed it with him were sitting there getting ready to play the game. It took on these two guys. It had been only in there a couple days, and they got destroyed <laughs> and destroyed. And he goes, that's when he really learned for the first time that you, no matter how much you play test something and how you think it's too difficult or whatever, you put it in an arcade and somebody's always going to you know do way better than you ever imagined. Yeah, that's, so, a, that's a great story. Yeah. yeah, I used to play this one player. I used to play it two player. I used to play it four player. And uh, there's something really cool about playing a four-player where you know you're the you're the receiver or the quarterback, whatever, and, and your buddy is the whatever the other one is, you know, the quarterback receiver, and you're playing against two strangers, and you know you're you're doing the plays. And this game, the interface is real simple because at any given time you can only choose from four plays. There's there's lots of plays. It's just that at any given moment you can only choose from four of them. I think. Yeah. So it makes it simple, but yet it's complex, and, and there's a lot. There's always one option play where you can choose between a run and a pass at the line of scrimmage. So there's there's a lot you can do. Um, it's it has the feel of football, even though it's nothing like realistic right. football. It's really pretty good. All right, at number twelve we have a game by Nintendo in nineteen eighty one. I'm pretty sure everybody can guess what that is. Woody had it at number six. I had it at number thirteen. That game is. Jumpman. No. Uh, well, it's Donkey Kong. It, it starred Jumpman, though, before he was Mario. Right, the game is Donkey Kong. Right, before he was Mario, he was known as Jumpman. And in fact, I think even in Donkey Kong Jr., he was still known as, as Jumpman. Um, no. Do you guys know the story about the name Donkey Kong? Because the name Donkey Kong doesn't make a lot of sense. And the way I heard this is that it was supposed to be Monkey Kong. No, dude, that's a total rumor, dude. Is it's, that a rumor? Yeah, it's totally a rumor. Yeah, I read the same thing back in the day, like in one of the... God dang it. In one of the... One, <laughs> of, the, one of the magazines um, yeah. was saying that, but yeah, it's totally not true. If you look online, yeah, that was... Well, the, in, why would they have purposely called it Donkey Kong? Because they thought it was funny. They thought that the, mm. using the name Donkey was funny. I read that, actually. You can read it. it, it go but, to, it we but it can, wasn't funny. 
Well, I think it's pretty funny. It <laughs> it's makes memorable. You, you still remember it, right? It's, if it I was do, called yeah. Monkey Kong, you'd be like, yeah, Monkey Kong. Yeah, I whatever. almost put this on my top 20, but then I realized that I just wouldn't play it today. All right. Like your DS. Uh, <laughs> I play my DS. Oh, that was sorry, a low blow. Yeah, I play my kidding. DS. <laughs> just kidding. Uh, <laughs> sorry. It's just so easy. All um, right. All right, so in this game, you must traverse level structures to save the girlfriend or uh, Jumpman's girlfriend Pauline from Donkey Kong before time runs out. Now, there's four levels in this game. There's the girders, the rivets, the elevators, and the conveyor belts. And uh, during that, Mario has to avoid flames, barrels, bouncing rivets to reach his goal. And it's designed by Shigeru Miyamoto, who's a creator of obviously of many of Nintendo's you know, popular series. So. Well, there's a very Donkey Kong-like level in Resident Evil 4, which you probably haven't got to yet, Chris. But yeah, that's true. you really need to work on your Resident Evil 4. <laughs> <laughs> and then you'll see this, and it's great. Yeah. One thing that I think really makes Donkey Kong stand out is, at the time, in 1981, there really weren't any video games that had true characters, right? Yeah, that's and true. And this game really brought that. You kind of felt, you know, that there's, you know, Pauline, and there's the Jumpman, and there's Donkey Kong, and they all had emotion, right? As much right. as emotion could, that could be in a game, you know, like this, you know. So Pac-Man really didn't have that, that emotion, you know. But that was really the only other sort of video game character that you could uh, see at the time. Well, and I just need to remember this back in the time when you could go into a lot of arcades, or uh, I remember going to the roller skating rink, um, and there'd be 20 Pac-Man games, and then like five uh, Donkey Kong, and that would be it. Right, yeah, exactly. So the graphics in and uh, were kind of bleeding edge at the time. They're really the the fact that there were various levels and they had really kind of sharp color and graphics was really something different than than I had seen. And the thing that really I remember about Donkey Kong is that when the ColecoVision came out, it came as a pack-in. Donkey Kong did, and then the graphics on it were awesome. It was a great translation, although there were only three levels. It didn't have the last <laughs> level, but I really had to have a ColecoVision, so I had to uh, I had to get it. And this is one of the games that I've, I've talked about this before on the podcast that gamers today, like uh, Amy's little brother, he still can't get past the first level in Donkey Kong or Donkey Kong Jr. because it's so based on timing. It's just crazy it's, to me. Yeah, it's a pretty hard game yeah. for, for a beginner, yeah. Uh, number 11, Space Duel. This was Dave's number 9, Chris's number 10. And I have to say, looking at this list, now that I see this on the list, I probably should have put this on my list, yeah. but I forgot about it. Because it, it really is a good game. So that was by Atari in 1982. The game is Space Duel. It's kind of like asteroids if you were chained together playing two player. Well, there's different well, modes different, in the game. Yeah, yeah. But so, that's the best. That's one of the best. That's the modes. best yeah. one. Yeah. No matter what, uh, there are mode. There are two modes for multiplayer. It's kind of like multiplayer asteroids. Like right. Like um, so, instead of the color vector graphic, I mean, it has color vector graphics versus the black and white that was in Asteroids and Asteroids Deluxe. So there's different modes, but um, in competitive mode, each player competes for points and they can shoot each other for bonus points. Um, so that's kind of interesting. You can kind of have dueling asteroids. But the more interesting mode, to me anyway, is the mode where play- two players are attached, and they're attached by what they call a filament, but really it's just like a line, right? It's, yeah. yeah. It's like a, and, uh, a solid bar. And so you can't... You, you can't every time shoot each you tr- other. You can't shoot each other, but when you thrust, you know, you're dragging this other person along. If they thrust, they're dragging you along. And, and there's great physics when you spin around each yeah, other. Yeah, you can yeah. sort of, you can wind up orbiting each other. <laughs> and, and, like, you really have to cooperate because you can wind up thrusting in opposite directions or doing something stupid. Right. And so it takes a lot of uh, real team spirit to play this well as a team because you're not completely independent. You are linked together. Right. And the... 
each level has kind of different objects that you need to shoot at. It's not just asteroids. There's like, you know, these like blocks and uh, kind of these. Like different stars and yeah. stuff. Yeah. And there's these things that come shooting across the screen that have a little thing going between them, right? Like two, yeah. Two, two spaceships. Exactly. Right, two spaceships, but they're yeah. Yeah, shooting at each other. And, and if that line that's between them hits you, it destroys you. Yeah. But if you shoot one of them, it breaks the, it turns the line. Turns into Yeah. And it turns it into just one ship. So, yeah, so this game is awesome, but it really never achieved the popularity that you know you would think this game would have and i don't i don't know why that Probably is luck yeah something but, else came out at the same time but the thing i i was thinking about is you know the whole fact that you're connected by this filament and you play it together is kind of an interesting game concept yeah and I, i've never can you think of any other games that have had that no i can't really think mm, of any not really isn't that weird doesn't sure it seem something. like that's an interesting gameplay it is yeah thing so you'd think that other games would have tried it but it really doesn't seem like they have so at number 10, from Midway, 1981, Ms. Pac-Man. Now, Ms. Pac-Man made the list, but Pac-Man didn't for yeah. our top 20. It's so I had this as my number 16. Woody had it as his number 2. Um, this was really the first game I ever became good at, you know, relatively speaking. Oh, yeah? I'm probably nowhere near any of the, the best, but the first one I remember feeling good about yeah, being yeah. able to play. And the reason I think it appeared on the list and Pac-Man didn't is that it was better. <laughs> it was. Well, yeah. It was really a refinement of the Pac-Man gameplay, but then they took it to another level. The the fact that it had uh, four different mazes, you know, that was cool. So and they also filled in the mazes, so they weren't like you know Pac-Man. They're just these little blue lines, right? In this game, they had different colors. It was much more bright and colorful. Uh, right. The fruit moved around. The sound was better, like when the fruit yeah. were moving. Mm-hmm. I like the fact that you had pretzels and stuff you were eating yeah. versus mm-hmm. the Pac-Man now, fruits. Let me ask you a question. This is 1981, and this is Ms. Pac-Man. Was this one of the first games that where you played as a female character? Probably, yeah. I would think yeah. so. I, I, I can't think of any earlier than that. So that, that might have been a breakthrough. So um, Time Magazine came out, and they were talking about you know, back in 1980 or 81 or whatever, that uh, video games were the craze, right? And on the cover, they had this game called Crazy Auto. Well, Crazy Auto never came out. <laughs> but Crazy Auto eventually became Miss Pac-Man. So uh, it's kind of interesting that uh, this company called General Computer Corporation, they they basically converted Pac-Man with an extra board and made it into this game called Crazy Auto. Uh, they presented it to Ballet Midway, and they said, well, we like it, but we'd like you to change it into a game where it's a female character, and that's how Miss Pac-Man came about. So um, it's interesting that it appeared on Time Magazine but never got released, and it ultimately became what we know as Miss Pac-Man. And it's just a very popular game even today, and it's one of the games that's really popular with women, uh, probably obviously because it's a female character, but... I love this game. I love the cutscenes. I love you know getting to the where they had the baby and all that stuff. It was cool. <laughs> so funny. Yeah. So my wife still plays this game a ton, and it's one of the few games that we actually have in our house and not in our garage. So it seems to still be popular with women. All right. And at number nine, we have a game that Woody had is his number eight. Tom had it as his number nine. It's by Williams in 1982, and that game is none other than Robotron 2084. Yeah, this is a great game. It's got the dual joysticks. It's a total adrenaline rush game where there's so much going on on the screen. It reminds me of one of our favorite modern games on the 360, right? What game would that be? I don't think I played it. Oh, uh, what is that called? I believe you're thinking of Geometry Wars. Geometry oh, Wars Geometry Advanced. Wars. Yeah. yeah, yeah, that makes sense. Um, and yeah, th- the this- reason I like this game, just like Crazy Taxi, it was nonstop action. I mean, it's the perfect game for people with ADD. You know, it's just nonstop. 
one thing after another crazy action. This is a game that's so fast-paced. You really can't stop and think about what you're doing. It's all just sort of instinct. You're just like constantly moving, constantly shooting, and I, I kind of love that about it. It's cool. And remember, during the discussion of California Extreme, I went to that, that was a couple podcasts ago, I went to the session uh, that was put on by Eugene Jarvis talking about how they made Robotron. And he's the creator. And this is one of two games that appears on the list by Eugene Jarvis. The other is yet to come. So, uh, yeah, no, this game is very cool. But back back in the uh, previous time in the yeah. past, yeah. <laughs> I didn't play this game that much because it really frustrated me. I think I was a little bit too young. But today I totally respect it and, and love playing it. Especially, uh, you know, after playing so much Geometry Wars. Makes I me still really suck at this game. Oh, it's a hard game. <laughs> it's I hard. really, really suck. It's and I saw hard. people kick butt it and... So the, one of the objectives of the game is to save the human family, right? And to kill everything that gets in the way. It's, it's right. a real simple concept. There's not a whole lot to the game in terms of, you know, you know, level design or anything like that. It's just a bunch of stuff coming at you. But it's very challenging yeah. uh, and addictive. And at the time, it was one of those games where it didn't have any buttons. You just have two joysticks. Exactly. Right. Yeah, no yeah. buttons. So at number eight, the only fighting game to make the, our top 20. It's my number four. It's Dave's number 13. And Woody said he would have put it on his list, but he forgot it. <laughs> I don't know how I forgot. It, shame on me. But yeah, it should have been higher because I would have put this on too. And Midway in 1993, we have Mortal Kombat 2. Well, technically, I voted for Mortal Kombat 1, but I said that they're so similar. Okay, well, but, yeah. Woody would have voted for it. So anyway, Mortal Kombat 2. And it wasn't on my list. I loved the game uh, years ago, but I wouldn't really play it or be that excited about it today. I have it in the garage and I play it all the time. So there you go. Now, I still love this game, and it's probably the memories I have of it because um, I used to play this game a ton at college. So in the Memorial Union, the MU, you get, hey, you went <laughs> to there. OSU, and, and yeah. Woody went to OSU. Oh, yeah, so yeah, we all know <laughs> about the MU. So there's a bowling alley. There used to be a bowling alley under the MU, and there was an arcade in it. So every time, like, between classes and stuff, I'd have a few quarters. I'd walk down and play a little Mortal Kombat. And uh, I just remember, you know, this is pre-internet, looking up all the moves, finding them in magazines and stuff, and then, you know, couldn't really wait to go back to school and try out those different finishing moves. And, you know, all the, the fatalities, fatalities, right? Yeah. That was probably one of the coolest things about it. Yeah. That's what it got me. What's well, see, my... in Mortal Kombat 2, they took it a step further, Dave, because you had babalities, <laughs> where right. you could turn them into babies. And they had friendships where, instead of killing them, you would have a little rainbow come out. That so sounds awfully complicated. No, it was very cool. <laughs> no, and I know a lot of like the hardcore purists would put um, the... The Street Fighter series is above this, or they were always looked down yeah. upon it because the the Street Fighter probably was a more pure fighter in terms of yeah, strategy or whatever. With that too. But the Mortal Kombat just had the better graphics that appealed to me, and it really it used a DCS sound system, and the sound was awesome in this game. Yeah. The graphics were awesome. It had the huge monitor, um, and and really this was like the Mortal Kombat series was as good as the two D fighters ever got because they moved into three D fighters yeah. and. I've never really got into those. Yeah. Virtual Fighter, those are all great games, but really these 2D fighters were it for me. So the, it was created by Ed Boon and John Tobias, and there's actually a hidden character in Mortal Kombat 2 called Noob Sabat, which is the spelling of their last names backwards. And to get to him, you had to, uh, you had to win 50 in a row to fight him. So it's pretty cool. They always had a lot of hidden features like that in the yeah. Mortal Kombat games, which I liked. And one thing I do remember about this game is there's this football player now, he played in the NFL called Reggie Tung. So his name is Reggie Tung. And I played for Kansas City and I think Seattle. 
Well, he would be down there every day playing this game, so I'd always play him. I just remember, man, he like had everything memorized, and I was like, dude, that guy never goes to class. He's always in here playing Mortal Kombat 2, but it was fun to play against him. And uh, yeah, so it's one of the games that's the first game I got when I got back into collecting was to get an authentic, you know, original Mortal Kombat 2 game. I still play it all the so time. So, Dave, what's our number seven? Number seven is from Williams. 1982. 1982. Woody has it as his number three. Dave had it at number 11. And Tom had it as number 20. It is... Joust. 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 I didn't have it on my list. This is our first game with all with three of us. With three of us voting. Right. Yeah, this is the closest we came to all yeah, having consensus. agreement. <laughs> yeah, I like this game because it has the two-player cooperative potential. It has very simple controls with just a left, right, and flap. Um, flap. And, What's you know, flap? You know, flap through wings. And, and <laughs> you know, how can you resist a game where you're a mounted knight jousting on the back of a giant ostrich? So how does it work? Is it... 2D or how is it? It's 2D. 2D. Uh, it's you, you, when, you, uh, when you meet an opponent, an opponent whoever's lands whoever's is higher, higher wins. Yeah, wins and, yeah. and, Unless uh, you're the pterodactyl. The, yeah, the unbeatable the pterodactyl. Unbeatable pterodactyl. Uh, not so unbeatable if you know what to do. Oh, <laughs> breaking it down, Tom. <laughs> yeah, right. This is also available on Xbox Live Arcade. Yeah, it is. Although the multiplayer on Xbox Live Arcade for this is really bad. It's real laggy for some reason. Yeah. But, uh, it, but the single player is good. And yeah, I've always liked this game. This is another one that I'll still play today. I'll still still reach for the quarter. All the Williams games had great sound effects, and, and Joust was no exception. Um, it, it's our favorite sound effect at work. Yeah, yeah, that's true. <laughs> and uh, I also liked a lot of the sayings in the game, like, you know, buzzard bait and thy game is over. It just kind of yeah. had, had these funny uh, features to it. But no, this is a great game. I, sh- I should probably have it on my list, but I didn't. At number six from Atari in 1980, this was my number four. Chris's number nine. We have Centipede. Centipede, which Woody would hate because Woody hates every game that have a trackball. Any game with a trackball sucks. Well, you know, you're a lamer, Woody. Of all the games <laughs> where you're sort of at the bottom of the screen shooting upwards, this is my favorite by far of any of that genre of game. And I also like the fact that if you look at games, like most games are either about some sort of science fiction premise or some sort of fantasy premise, but this game is about mushrooms and insects, which right. is really different. Yeah. It's fun. So the way it, way it works is you're this uh, character at the bottom of the screen. Uh, you use your little trackball to fire uh, laser shots upward to the centipede that's kind of a... Uh, advancing down and if you shoot it it breaks apart into different pieces right right um, unless you hit the head and if you shoot too many mushrooms no, it I creates think... these guys that that fall down rapidly from the top and and right, create right. new mushrooms so it's sort of like a play balancing thing where if you if you're really good at the game and you shoot the mushrooms too fast yeah. it it adjusts and it brings these things down there's the like the fleas spider are the thing that come come the down fleas, yeah, yeah. Fleas. there's the spider that comes in from the side and kind of bounces up and down and scorpions and the the closer you are to the spider when you shoot him the more points you get so yeah. you, it's another risk reward balance play mechanic where you want to try to get close but of course if he hits you you're dead um it's and just, the scorpions lay the poisonous, the um, poisonous mushroom, mushrooms, which if the centipede yeah. runs into it, they shoot the centipede straight to the bottom. And I like the fact that even though it's basically scrolling back and forth at the bottom, shooting up, you can also move up and down. Yeah. So you can actually dodge by letting the enemies pass underneath you if you do it just right, which right. is kind of cool. So it's kind of a variant on you know the Space Invaders type theme, right? Yeah, or something's attacking from the top. But I, I think this game is like a hundred times oh, more fun uh, than Space Invaders. Yeah. Uh, so there's a couple interesting things about this game. One, it's the, the first game designed by a woman, uh, Donna Bailey, 
And it's one of the games that really is popular among women, along with uh, Miss Pac-Man. Yeah, I mean, the, the, my wife, this is her favorite game of all yeah. time. She's always harassing me to buy one of these. Which is kind of weird. Like, I mean, I doubt many people knew it was designed by a woman, but yet it appeals to that. So yeah, that's, I had no idea. Great. So the other thing is um, co-designed by Ed Logg. He's also the one who did the original Asteroids, uh, Gauntlet, and San Francisco Rush. And I went to a presentation that he had at um, California Extreme. And he was talking about the fact that a lot of the aspects of this game are kind of similar to Asteroids. That's why they have the spider come out, similar to the ships, right, uh, yeah. the UFO in, in Asteroids. He said a lot of the concepts were similar, even though the games look totally different. Hmm. So I, I played this game a ton as a kid. I really like the use of a trackball because it's a different type of control experience, uh, regardless of what he says, what Woody has to say about that. But uh, <laughs> I like this game. I also like some of the earlier games that use a trackball, like Atari Football and Missile Command. But what was kind of unique about Centipede is it had a smaller trackball. And um, I'm in the process of restoring a Centipede Cabaret right now, so I've been playing it a ton lately. Um, and uh, it's just as addictive today as it was when I was a kid. So I love this game. Cool. Well, we're, we're to the top five now. Top five. Moving up. So number five is a game that has a special place for me. It was my number five. It was Woody's number seven. Atari 1986. And it's Skate or Die. Skate or Die. 720 Degrees. That's the game, 720 Degrees. Um, this is special to me because when I was in college and I was living in Japan and I was skateboarding in real life, uh, some of my friends and I, we were just obsessed over this game. We would go to the local arcade, and we would hang around this game, playing it over and over, and watching each other play. And, you know, really, this was before Tony Hawk. This is before there were a lot of skating games out there. This is basically the only one. If you wanted to play a skateboarding game, this is The first was it. extreme sports game. Um, and it had this unique controller where it was like a joystick, but it was sort of off-axis. And so you would rotate the joystick around and around to do spin tricks. And it really kind of had a good feel to it. And this game has appeared in different collections. There's been like a PlayStation 2 version of it. Uh, I think there's been an Xbox version of it. But without that controller where you spin that wheel around, yeah. it, it just doesn't sort feel the same. It's sort of an odd controller. I've never really unique. seen that again. It's, it's a weird controller, but it, for the game, it really works. And also on the game, the speakers are you know in the boom box at the top, yeah, right? Exactly. Yeah, like the old boom box yeah, type looking thing. Yeah. So the game, how does the game really work? Isn't it that you skate around with and you have these tickets and you compete yeah, you, in different skate events? You like you start go down. out in this sort of free roaming world, but you have to get you have to make your way to one of the four skate parks to get into one of the events. And the events are like uh, the ramp, the downhill, the jump, and the slalom. Yeah. And each event is very different and tests different skills. And what happens is if you if you linger too long in the free play area, you get chased by a swarm of bees, which is very reminiscent of the swarm of bees in Paperboy. Yeah. And uh, but you hear this voice that says "skate or die." Yeah. And that so was you know, really that, good, Tom. That was great. We we used to love to say that. It's one of those things that became part of our vocabulary, just like in Gauntlet's. You know, Elf right. shot the food. Did you think it was um, weird that EA came out with a computer game that was called Skate or Die? Yeah. After this, though, I mean, yeah. it seems like Atari should have sued them. Yeah, it was weird, but uh, yeah, this was a great game. Um, it you know compared to Tony Hawk and stuff like that today, it doesn't really hold up as well. It doesn't have the variety or the realism or the the depth of tricks, but it really was a cool game at the time, and I still would play it today. Cool. All right, we're up to number four. 
I can I can feel people just you know gripping I to can, find out what those top four games. I can feel games. the excitement building. Yeah, <laughs> um, yeah number four, Woody's number one game. Number one for Woody. Chris's number eleven. This Namco, nineteen eighty one. And Woody, what was it? Galaga. You sure it's is not it Galaga? Galaga. Galaga. <laughs> uh, it's a sequel to Galaxian and has very similar gameplay. What do you remember about this game, Woody? Um, you know, I there's not much I can say about it being unique compared to anything else at the time, but somehow it's one of those games that just clicked with me. Right. Um, I like there was a. A, a special mode where you ca- your ship could get captured, right. and then you'd take it back, and then you get the double shooter. But at the same time, there was strategy involved because you'd be sacrificing one of your lives to do that to get the double shooter. Yeah. So there was strategy inherent. Um, it had bonus levels. It was just a lot of fun. Somehow, it just clicked with me. Right. It's kind of it's a lot like Galaxian, but they have different enemies and more screens. You know, like you have the challenging stages and stuff like that. So a bit more variety in the mm-hmm. way the stages, uh, you know, appear. Uh, different formations of the enemies, I guess, is is what's cool. And they do this like kamikaze, like dive down to try to hit you. And yeah, that was always fun. It had really cool sound. Like I love the sound in this game. Um, and this is another game that's available on Xbox Live Arcade. Um, yeah, I've been playing that a little bit on the Xbox 360. Yeah, it was really one of the first games, I guess, that had that bonus round, the challenging stage. The other was like Rally X, which is another Bally Midway game. Um, yeah, but. Uh, one thing that's kind of interesting is a lot of people on the Xbox Live Arcade game have kind of bitched about the fact that it doesn't have rapid fire, and they remember the arcade game having rapid fire. Right. But to be honest, that was a chip that was available that you could replace on the main Galaga board. So a lot <laughs> of people that played Galaga thought that it intrinsically had this multi-rapid-fire you know, rapid fire capability, but it, it really didn't. That's you, really, it. you could have two shots going at a time, yeah. and that was part of the strategy. That was yeah. you know, So the rapid fire was really a cheat. Yeah. All right, so let's move on. We're up to number three. This is Woody's, well, number three. My number three. You hit it. I hit it right on. It was my number five, Atari in 1986, Super Sprint. Oh, I'm a little surprised that this is this high. Dude, because I, uh, it is a good game. You, I admit you can't, it's a good game. You can't, you can't judge. It's our favorite. It's fun. No, it's I, my no, it's number fun. five and Woody's number three. It, it was, is fun, but there's so many other driving games. You know, there's, there's, no, there's not as many driving no, games. No, but see, that's the thing. It's the group. Four people out, or three people at once, you know, playing this yeah. game is well. And I awesome. even I even like the way this worked. It was everything on the screen at one yes, time. Yes, awesome. This for me is the best driving game ever, ever get ever made. I would say along with that too. <laughs> and the thing is, dude, the 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 best. I part like about, the wrenches and the or else like yeah. in a helicopter. I like. But that. the best part is, dude, when you're taking the turn, you spin the damn wheel. Yeah. you slam on the gas. Part of your dude, skill was learning to use it, the dude. brake, the gas yeah. to to spin be able to handle wheel. your burnouts. Yeah. Oh, it was awesome and it's just the fact that you're right elbow to elbow with somebody yeah. spinning this wheel and smacking and I like the them. little oh, doors yeah. that would open and close that you could get yep. through if you timed it right it was yeah. good oh yeah the little ramps and the the and then the little but what i am surprised yep. about is that is that none of the other driving games made the list there's no outrun there's no so those are all single player games and they're not like and they're all the same this yeah. was so much better <laughs> competitive <laughs> the, the thing about this game is it was so competitive like when when you were behind the computer controlled car and there's three of you you'd be spinning around the thing trying to catch up with them just to oh, clear yeah. that line and all right you at the had end. to do was beat all the computer players so you'd be right there with the other yeah. players you know you're all trying right. to get it you know you're all trying to be in you'd there. almost be caught up and you'd smack into the wall and your car would explode and then the helicopter would have to come out and drop 
drop your next car out. Yeah. Oh, that was awesome, dude. I remember playing this with my brother, and what he would always do is, if, if he was losing, he would start driving around the track the wrong direction to try to make me crash so that I'd lose to the computer players. Yeah. So that's just the type of guy he was. <laughs> I just like the competitive nature of this game, and it was just close quarters competitive. It's not like and the my today was, where they're separate machines. This right. is like elbow to elbow. And there was a spinning. version that actually had three Yeah, super wheels. sprint. Yeah, super without sprint. super Championship okay. sprint was later and had two. Really? Yes. They downgraded it. Well, no, they, they added more. It was because it took up too much damn room, I believe. Right. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, and, and also they added more tracks. And I used to own a championship sprint game. And sad to say, I gave it away to Goodwill. And that story I'll save for another show, how that one, how that came about. But uh, I regretted <laughs> it ever since. And I, I'm, I'm on the lookout for another championship sprint or super sprint game because i got to get one. I, I love this game. And you know what's funny? Amy's older brothers all love this game. And when we were in California, they had the game there, and we played it for hours. So I would say it's not just Woody and yeah, I, but a lot of... it's still one of those. I can play it anytime. Oh, it's awesome. And uh, it's a successor to Grand Track 10 in the Sprint series, which actually came out in the 1970s. You ever played those? The old ones with the little... It had actually... You had the to put it in lover. gear, right? Yeah, yeah. That yeah, was pretty funny. But no, this one's, this one's awesome. I love this game. Oh, and and uh, <laughs> yeah, I want to play it right now. So it's too bad. All right, number two. We're up to number two. This game came out in 1983 by Atari. I had it as my number two. Tom had it as his... Hey, I hit it at number two. Yes, Tom had it at number three, and Woody had it at number 19. And I didn't even rate it. <laughs> this is another game that had three of us, but uh, but yeah, Dave, Except for Dave, Dave screwed it up. It's a little weird. And this is Star Wars. Star Wars, the arcade game. Now, it came out in 1983. When did the original Star Wars movie come out? 76. Right? 77. 77. 77. Come on, Dave. Dave. Come on. Nerd. God kind of damn it. On. I'm sorry. <laughs> so, uh, so what did you like about this game, Tom? Well, this was, I think, the first game based on a movie that really drew me in and made me feel like I was, to some extent, experiencing the movie all over again. Like, the run down the Death Star Trench, uh, you know, all that stuff. It, it really was very cool. Um, it was probably one of the best vector games, I think. Color vector, yeah. Yeah, um, it just... I love the sit-down cabinet. Yeah, the one the that felt cabinet like you were cool. sitting in the TIE Fighter. And the controls, dude. It had the yoke controller. Exactly, you know, yeah. uh, Similar to steering wheel, twisting left and right, gives you the combined roll and yaw, pushing forward and backwards, and with the side control gives pitch, and the four buttons. Dude, it just felt like you are flying, you know, the... Uh, I'm sure some of the popularity of this game comes from the fact that back in back in the day, yeah. Um, oh my! Oh, take a drink. The, Star Wars was so such a cultural phenomenon. Every little boy wanted to be Luke Skywalker. But this and game this let you feel like it. Yes, it was the best simulation because you know you had the voices. You had you know Obi Wan talking to you, saying you had, use the Force. Darth mm-hmm. Vader saying the Force is strong in this one, and yeah. you know blah 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 blah. It was just so awesome. I love this game. And there's like, uh, you know, the fact that it recreates that sequence of the game or the movie that's so awesome when you blow up the Death Star, it's very cool. And before right. that, you're fighting the TIE Fighters and, you know, it's just, it has everything. And I love this game. I still play it today. I love it. And it was also the first game I ever saw that had a sit-down version where you right. could actually sit in and feel like you were actually in a cockpit. Is that true? Was this the first I don't know if it was. It was the first, first one I ever saw. I, I think there was like Night Driver had a sit-down version. That had to predate it. Hmm. But, but Yeah. There's probably others. And uh, hey, Fire Truck, you ever played that game? Oh, yeah, that's, that's dude, that game's awesome. That should have made the top <laughs> I forgot 20. all about that, yeah. Yep. So, all, all right, right. Anyway. and now, number one. Oh. The number one game 
is again, Frogger. No. Oh, sorry. <laughs> no. <laughs> it's Beer Tapper. No. Again. Um, <laughs> no. Uh, All right, Pong. We bet it. it's Pong. Pong. No. No. Okay. <laughs> no. This this again got three of our votes. This was Chris's number one. Yes. My number ten. Hey, I was right. And Woody's number twelve. And it's a game we've talked about before. Williams, nineteen eighty. Defender. Yep. Um, to me, this is a one of the classic games that. I remember when this first hit the arcades, it just seemed like this game was way too hard. That, I mean, like, everybody thought it was too like hard. You would get, you would get yeah. to this game and be like, wait a minute, there's way too many buttons. You can go both directions. What, what's going on? This is crazy. But it's one of those games that eventually the players sort of stepped up and learned to play it. And it became really fun. It's still a game that I'll play. Um, maybe not for hours and hours. But, I, I think but I will play it for hours and hours. We played it at work yeah. on the main box for hours and hours. Dude, the game is awesome. <laughs> it's still awesome. And it has the radar. The reason it's you know, awesome it has, is because it's so challenging. Yeah. You know, it doesn't take you 10 hours to play it. You know, you're just trying to survive the first couple levels, and that's hard. Yeah. So uh, it's a game that was designed and programmed by Eugene Jarvis. We talked about him earlier, also on the list with Robotron 2084. But this game is sort of unique, and as Tom kind of talked about, you've got the radar on the radar on the top, and essentially you have these space um, you know, aliens that are attacking, right? And they're trying to pick up humans and abduct them, right? Right, and so the, there's a lot of skill in the game because you don't want all of the humans to get picked up because when that happens, the Earth, which is kind of at the bottom, will go away, and then these uh, aliens all turn into these mutants that are almost impossible to kill. They're right? super fast, and they come right, right towards you. So you don't you want to stop them before they abduct the humans. Right. And what you can do is, if you shoot the alien while it's got the human grabbed, you can then swoop in and rescue the human and, and put him back on the ground. Yep. So it's another, just like uh, Robotron, it has that theme of rescuing the humans. Right. Like, it's not just all blowing things up, it's, it's rescue, too. Yeah, and I think, you know, Eugene Jarvis, obviously, similar system. And Tom talked about the controls, uh, and so in the game, there was up, it didn't use the standard, like, up, down, left, right system. It had a joystick that was solely moved to move up and down. It had a reverse button that would toggle your direction. Um, and it had a thrust button, it had a fire button, it had a smart bomb button, and it had a hyperspace button. So looking at this control panel, people are like, I don't know what the hell to do. Now today <laughs> with the new controllers on the consoles, it'd be like, oh, there's only so many buttons? That's nothing. But Well, this is back when, you know, remember one of the other games on our list, Joust, where it's like, left, right, and flap. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> okay. And then you get Defender, and it's just, yeah. it's crazy. So, but... I played this game a ton. Like I say, we played at work still. It's an awesome game. I totally want to pick up one of these arcade games one, one day, but they're just too expensive for me right now. So I, I don't care for this game. Really? No. Um, I, I think it was too complicated for me. Too, too many buttons. Never, oh, never It's the greatest game ever made. And you know what's interesting is when we talked about the Atari, Once Upon Atari, we reviewed that video. Right. Uh, yes, a, that's a great story. A lot of the uh, people... Well, there's a couple stories. <laughs> there's two stories related to Defender, but now that you reminded me, I'll talk yeah. about the other one too. First story is, everybody who was a game designer at Atari, they'd ask them what their favorite game was. Without a doubt, they all said Defender. And they all had Defender machines still, because they'd love <laughs> to play this game. Now, the other story that's interesting is the George... What was his name? George? Uh, anyway, he was one of the managers at Atari. Yeah, I remember this. And they basically said that... Um, 
His boss said that you, 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 I'm going to give you a raise, or it's time for your raise, or you, you can you, play. You can have this amount of money, or you can play defender. And, and, and whatever your score is, that's how much that's how much get. money you're going to get. And I guess he had a really good game, and he got a really nice salary. So <laughs> the, the thing was, is that wasn't this, this was like 75k or something like that? Something it, like that. That yeah. was a really good score. Yeah, I mean, that's an uh, insane score. He did a good job. I mean, I mean, Andrew and I at work are competing, and we can't get over like you know. 18,000, you know, 20,000. <laughs> that's like a huge score. So, so he, you got to give him some, some credit. Some props for that. Yeah. There was a sequel to Defender called Stargate. Which it wasn't was also, as good. It was okay. And not as good. It wasn't quite the same as. Didn't, the, it was actually more complex. Yeah. So, okay, let's. Uh, so, that's our top uh, uh, 21 list. And we'll make all of our individual lists available on the website, on our website in the forums, as well as the, the list uh, again. For yeah, on twitchasylum.com. So, uh, there's some interesting info that came out of doing this little interesting exercise. None of us knew what everyone else was picking. No, right. yeah, it was totally it was all, like blind. Yeah. You know, we just put our list together and put them together. So in total, there are 55 games mentioned, which is kind of crazy if you think about. It. That's a lot. Yeah, and what surprised me the most is yeah. there was not a single game that all four of us had in our personal top 20. Yeah. There I, were only I, three. I blame me. Yeah, <laughs> the only games in the top 21 with three people were Defender, Star Wars, and Joust. So Mortal Kombat would have made that if I'd been on the ball. But, yeah. <laughs> well, Tom didn't have it. And I then, didn't have it. I didn't jealous. have. I didn't have any fighting games in my top yeah. twenty. So I'm just not. I guess I'm not a fighting game person. Yeah, you're so passive, Tom. <laughs> Except for when you play things like Grand Theft Auto. But, yeah. All right. So uh, let's Saints look at Rose. some other. In- yeah, some other interesting numbers. Eight of the games were by Atari. Uh, four were by Midway, and three were Williams games. So Atari definitely ruled the arcade scene. Um, 18 of the games were from the 80s, three games from the 90s. So, obviously, the 80s were the heyday of, uh, of arcade games. 15 of the games were from 1980 to 1983. So, so in that three-year span, we have 15 of the games on our top 20. So, that was like the golden years, right? <laughs> has to be, yeah. That was the golden age. So, the number of games in the top 21, I had 12. Woody had 12. Tom had 11. And Dave's bringing up the rear there with 7. But again, this is personal preference. We're not saying it, it's bad. but um, it, We're not saying it's bad. We're just saying who had the most. But Chris, <laughs> and, I, Chris and I are the best. Yeah. We ruled the scene. Yeah. So uh, he, uh, some people picked number, which we talked about earlier, number one for them, but nobody else even listed it. Tom bringing in Dance Dance Revolution. Dave with Satan's Hollow. And at number two, but not listed by anybody else, we have Dave with Phoenix. So, I'm a very unique person. It's true. That was kind of fun. Yeah, that was good. All right, so uh, so hopefully that didn't uh, take you guys off guard too much in, from our standard you know video game history segment. But again, we're going to talk about history next time. Yep. So uh, we just thought this would be interesting to try something else. And if you guys liked it or didn't like it, come to the forums and tell us that that you uh, that we rule or we suck, uh, and we'd we'd really like to hear it. And also, uh, you know, what else can people do if they like to show Tom? Uh, they can vote for us or comment on uh, iTunes or Yahoo Podcasts. That would be great. And all those links are available on our website. If you just click on the podcast uh, tab on the left, you can get there. And there's a quick click. We can go right to iTunes and right to Yahoo Podcasts and leave us feedback. We'd really appreciate it. All right. Well, that does it for episode 13. We'll see you next time. Over and out. See ya.
And it's done by Insomniac, the guys who did Ratchet and Clank. Which was a really fun series. So the game looks really cool. It's okay, a- we can stop for a second. <laughs> <laughs> Hi, Amy. How are you doing? Hey. Wait a second. There's a good time. Tara's on the phone. Can you tell him happy birthday? It's his birthday. It's kind of oh, saying hey, he's on the podcast. Happy birthday. Hey, put, him, put him on the podcast. Oh, he hung up? <laughs> he's 13. He's our little brother. We talk about him all the time. Yeah. Taryn? Hey, sweetie, you still there? Okay, just a sec. Here's Chris, okay? Are right, you their turn? All right, so this is, uh, we're on the podcast live right now. Is there anything you want to say to the people? <laughs> What's well, the only put you on voice speaker, all right? Can, can you hold up the microphone to the... Are you their turn? Yeah. You got to speak a little louder. Okay. <laughs> Are you their turn? Happy birthday. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> oh, Jake's in here. Jake's in here. So say hi to all the people, Taryn. Hi. <laughs> so, so what are you doing, Taryn? Watching TV. Why? <laughs> Just curious. You're 13 now, a teenager? Yeah. So what do you want for your birthday? Yes. A what? Yes. A what DS? DS Lite. <laughs> Why do you want a DS Lite? Because I do. <laughs> what games are you going to play on the DS Lite? I have no clue. <laughs> what <laughs> What other systems do you want? Xbox 360. Oh, yeah. Why? What do you want to play on it? I don't know. Dead Rising, maybe? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Why do you like Dead Rising? Because it's funny. What's funny about it? A lawnmower. <laughs> <laughs> Why is the lawnmower funny? Okay, why are you asking these dumb questions? Because <laughs> people need to know. Because people want to know people... this interesting information from a 13-year-old who plays games. Okay. <laughs> he said he wants a 360 with Dead Rising. Dead Rising's a great game, man. That's good. <laughs> That's a fun game. So what else do you like playing, Taryn? Like on the Xbox 360 or yeah, 360. Um, I like racing games. Have you tried uh, Test Drive Unlimited? No. Oh, you gotta try that, man. It's really good. It will blow your mind, and it'll teach you to drive. So when you get a car, you'll already know how to drive. <laughs> do, do so what you, else are you doing, man? I don't know, but I'm not old enough to drive. <laughs> do, do you think uh, being 13 is unlucky? Um, not really. That's good. <laughs> Chris seems to think so. Yeah, well, no, I said that this is our 13th episode, and it's been kind of unlucky because we blew out the tire on the car and stuff, you know? Yeah, we noticed that on yes, about yesterday. Yeah. It's hard to not notice that. Spare tire, huh? All right, man. Okay. Happy birthday. Happy birthday, man. Thanks.